Meteorologist Malcolm Byron. Jack West to the 35. Nice move. 40, 45, 50, 45, 40. Run, big fella. 30, 25, 20. Step over the guy. 10 to the 5. Jack West. Yes. We love you in Lincoln. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody's thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium. Upside down right now. Stroud back in the pocket, being rushed, gets hit as he throws down the field. It's going to be intercepted. Miles Farmer at the 15-20 up the sideline. Rocked out of bounds. Flag comes out. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. It's the eve of game day, the Big Ten season. Going on the road to the current favorite in the Big Ten West. A chance to create a three-game winning streak in the Big Ten. Something that seems like it hasn't happened for eons. And yes, while Nebraska comes in a double-digit underdog, Many people, maybe including some people here, not giving Nebraska a chance to win the game. But if they do, if they do, a season that seemed cursed when it started. Nay, an era that perhaps has seemed cursed since it started. Gets a ray of sunlight. A ray of sunlight that was not expected. A giant ray of sunlight that will last over the Cornhusker State for the entirety of two weeks as we stop posting the Big Ten standings sarcastically and we start posting them thinking, wait a second, this could actually be happening. Thank you. Oops. Exactly what I was hoping for right there. Good. (laughs) It's a very professional work environment. I've lost my place now. Welcome to the Friday Husker Tailgate. Nebraska versus Purdue. I am Jack Mitchell. Obviously feeling like waxing poetic this morning. The guy playing the music at places we don't want it, Caleb Henry. He does some other stuff, too. Uh, That's me. Mike Schaefer, Husker 24-7, Cleveland Guardians fan extraordinaire who is cheering as much against rain as he is the Yankees right now. And then we've got Kenny Larrabee, our uh, media guru, who is uh, doing our producing on the Facebook page. KLI on Facebook page, we broadcast the video of this entire show. We let you watch it there, interact there, uh, hang with us through the commercial breaks there, and uh, see what we have to say there as well. So that is what we've got. We've got a big show for you today, Fantasy Huskers, keywords, all the things you've come to expect from the Friday Husker tailgate. We will award helmet stickers. Will Mike Schaefer give another one to the punter? We will find Find out. We will be counting down the five things you're talking about this Husker weekend. Some pretty significant news from yesterday when Mickey Joseph appeared here on KLIN on Sports Nightly. We'll delve into that. We'll just generally get you ready for Nebraska and Purdue. Does Nebraska have a shot? And if they do, what does it look like? We'll wrap everything up with the picks at the end of the show, plus the Rusty Dawkins draft index in terms of how the weather will affect the game in West Lafayette. Caleb, here we are. Here we are at the precipice 
of a game where, yes, there's been a lot of discussion about the underdog status of Nebraska in this game, and that is fair. But I choose, as you could tell from my open, to focus on what if, dare to dream. We're in a place that I don't know that any of us thought Nebraska would be. And yes, it's modest. You just beat Indiana and Rutgers for a two-game winning streak. But if you somehow put something together this week, if you somehow get some of the gifts of the universe that you have been uh, had had withheld from all of us for multiple years in a single game to come back and win that game on Saturday, things officially get weird in Husker Nation. Well, it's a really weird take for somebody who just picked against Nebraska the last two weeks. Hey. I, I, I like to like to come in with that much optimism and say on the precipice of something happening, listen, getting to a winning I, record. They just won back to back. You picked Indiana. I don't. You picked Rutgers, Caleb. All I am saying. Are you saying you're going to pick Nebraska today? I'm. I'm not commenting on that. Oh, I'm not commenting on goes. that. I want to focus on the present right well, now. Well, Schaefer, we better pick Purdue. Right I want now. to focus on the present right now, but I will say this: this is to say nothing of what will happen. In the game, but I am saying if, if Saturday night happens maybe in a way that most of the experts don't expect, the happiness that this fan base is due, the happiness that the interest has been compounding on for years and years and years, it's collection day. Yeah, there's an opportunity. Okay? There's an opportunity here, not not just for what the team has in front of them. But an opportunity for the fan base to feel real jubilation at something going really, really right. It's correct. Being it's correct. Three and one it's, in the league. You're you're two games away from a bowl game, and you'd have five left on the season. You you'd be set up in a place to go. There's a lot of what ifs that you can then play out. Not that you still couldn't play some of those same things out if things don't go right tomorrow. But when you win three in a row. It's a very different it feeling than Nebraska's be, had for several it years. It will be a foreign feeling to this fan base, Mike Schaefer. It will be a feeling that they've not had the privilege of having for quite some time. Yeah, what, October of 2016? Probably. That's what I was yeah, trying I mean, to figure seven out. They were 7-0 going yeah. into facing Wisconsin uh, late October right. of 2016, and life seemed pretty good. Uh, right. Coming then, off of the six and seven, and then as they were what four and zero in league play. Uh, yeah, so I think they had beaten Indiana, Illinois, uh, Northwestern, and somebody else at that point. So, and um, then they decided not to call pass interference like they normally do in Wisconsin. Yeah, and Nebraska everything changed. Thirty-seven different chances of winning that game in Madison, and but uh, I choose to focus on the referee issue. Well, sure, absolutely. I <laughs> as choose is to, often the case. I choose does. to think of the multiple drives that stalled around the fifty-yard line that day. Not so, me. Weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, look. You, in overtime, Stanley Morgan uh, may or may not have been interfered. Hey, okay. Jordan Westerkamp, Jordan definitely Westerkamp was absolutely yeah. Well, uh, that was the one on I was play. getting to. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you, you just don't get to have everything it's just, in it's, your vision. It's world. just I know I know we're we'll talk plenty about the game, but there's just a part of me that is so so thirsty, as the kids say, for a for. Uh, if you tr- say it, do the kids stop saying it? That's what I always that, wonder. That's fine. The Usually, existential, as, like, as soon as we start saying, as the kids say, they go, yeah, I'm never going to say that again. The, 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 Just like the thumbs up I, emoji, apparently. Not supposed to do that. I, I thirst. That's done. That's I, done. I thirst for a two-week period of triumph, 
of seriously looking at this season with legitimate legitimate beliefs that it can turn into something genuinely fun and successful and i'm putting all of the lo- the big picture discussions to the side for the moment if that happens okay does that mean Mickey Joseph is more of a candidate than he was the days before? Perhaps, perhaps, but I just choose, I just, I so desire that to happen for the next two weeks. And so perhaps, perhaps it can. Now they've got to beat Purdue. They've got to go into Purdue in a game that I feel like, and, and I mean, you, you, when, when I give my picks on this, you know, you, you may say I'm being hypocritical, foreshadowing there. But in a game, Mike, I feel like not a whole lot of people are giving Nebraska much of a shot in this game. Yeah, which I mean, is it's... probably. I mean, Purdue on paper definitely looks like the better team, but I don't know if they look like that much of a better team. Yeah, it it's interesting because I mean we're talking about a Purdue team that eked out a win over Florida Atlantic. We're talking about a Purdue team with already two losses. I mean, it's not like you're talking about a juggernaut here. And so the fact the line is as big as it's been um, surprises me. I mean, I, I would make Purdue the favorite, and I would make him a favorite slightly more than a touchdown. I'm amazed that it's up to, what, 14 points, I yeah. think, last Th- 13 and a half when I checked yeah. last night. So it's um, it's interesting uh, that Nebraska is regarded as such. And I understand they're 3-3 three and three and coming off of a one-point win at Rutgers, but... You're still talking about a Purdue team that, like, it's not It's not even like recent history shows that this is like a consistent nine-win team. Mm-hmm. This isn't Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's curious that that line is as big as it is. But just going back to what you were talking about initially, I mean, I, I think a win, because you're going to know the result of Illinois-Minnesota by the time that this game goes final. Nebraska wins this game and Illinois beats Minnesota. You're talking about the biggest game in Memorial Stadium since, what, the game day game of uh, 2019 that was so artificially blown out of proportion <laughs> because That's Nebraska had already blown that lead to Colorado and every excitement for game day had sort of died by that point. Right. Um, so it it would be nice to have a big game in Lincoln again. I mean, I part of it for me is just that, like, that Illinois game would be really large. Even if they don't beat Minnesota, there's still going to be enthusiasm for both Illinois and you have Minnesota the week after. So Mm -hmm. it's a great two-week stretch in Memorial Stadium if Nebraska wins this game on Saturday. And that in itself would be nice because... It'd be different. It'd just be so different. And you might have something to play for when you get to mid-November and Wisconsin comes here for senior day. Yeah. One of the the worst things about the five years of, of just losing is you just see people beat down in terms of even wanting to go to games or to, when they're there, they're kind of just apprehensively into it or they're Jack Mitchell and they're just waiting for the universe to deliver another fateful kick uh, in the crotch region. So it's a, it would be a reprieve, a stay of execution, uh, a sign from the universe that you are allowed to enjoy your favorite team. And so that in itself would be nice because I think the energy around here would be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the enthusiasm for Mickey Joseph would reach probably fever pitch yeah. should they win that game against uh, Purdue on Saturday. And that's a different conversation. Um, once you get there, then you can dive into it a little bit more. Uh, but 
it it would be good. And the thing is, for everyone that's kind of just like, oh well, of course they're not going to win this game. I mean, it's I, I go back to what I said before: Indiana and Rutgers. Like Nebraska is the same team people thought could go eight and four. Like, they have the same roster. It's a different head coach. So far, it's gone better for them. Right. Um, there's no reason, talent-wise, they can't go into West Lafayette and win this game. Health-wise, there's some concerns. Yeah. You know, we're going to get into all of that. But from a talent perspective, they can play with Purdue. And whether they can be consistent and do the little things right, those are the big questions, and that's what we see on a Saturday. It, it, it really is interesting if Nebraska shows up in this game and either, either wins it or, or plays really well in a close game. I mean... That that will show you that w- whatever turnaround seemed to be evident in the Mickey Joseph era in the last two games that it wasn't fool's gold at all. That 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 that, that something really changed within the program if they can if they can play well here with this game. Um, I, I think that's one of the most interesting things about this too. Well, and even if. I'm going to disagree a little bit. Even if things don't go well tomorrow, I still don't think the last two weeks were fool, fool's gold because I don't have a whole lot of confidence that the last two weeks would have been wins without the changes. I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence that down, not Friday. That that yeah, that down 13 at the half that so, that something would have got I, turned around. That that having the previous defensive coordinator in there, it wouldn't have changed things. And obviously, part of that was helped out by Rutgers' play calling, <laughs> inexplicably not just saying. Let's leave Noah Vedral out here because he seems to be one of the two people on the field who's competent. Um, but yeah, I still think the last two weeks wouldn't have been wins without the change. So I don't think necessarily that it's fool's gold if things don't go well in West Lafayette. I do think you can give a lot more credence to the changes if things do go well. Tomorrow. Right. That's what, I, I guess that's what I was saying is that is that you are you erase any thought that yeah. this was just fluky because you weren't playing. You were playing particularly bad teams mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, you kind of you kind of put a stamp of of authenticity of what happened in those two games, and then and then you move forward after this. Mickey uh, Joseph, JSA certified. Let Let me ask this question to, to both of you. Put it out. Put it out there for you. You know, assuming you look at Nebraska as as an underdog or or with a bit of an uphill battle in this case, is that more about your concerns about the defense or more about your concerns for the matchup, the defense in this matchup or the offense in this matchup? Uh, in this, well, it's both because Purdue curiously looks better on either side of the ball right now, and so um, I I think it's for me the defense. I start with the defense uh, because I don't know. If he's healthy and he's playing well, I don't know how Nebraska slows down Charlie Jones. I mean, he's really, really good. He's the best wide receiver I think Nebraska has played since uh, Marvin Mims. And, you know, Mims could have went for a lot more than he did, and Oklahoma kind of called the dogs off there. So uh, now Nebraska's pass rush in the two games since taking on Oklahoma is only just stock way up. So one of the ways you can control Charlie Jones is you make life hell for Aiden O'Connell, and I, I think that's I think that's Nebraska's best route to this going well on Saturday. Is you got to have guys like O'Shawn Mathis and Garrett Nelson and Ty Robinson, you know, really kind of up there throwing people around, and 
Purdue's got some offensive line issues right now. I mean, they're they're down to their like third string right tackle. Oh, really? So there's gonna yeah yeah. I mean, there's sweet. There's gonna be some opportunity up front um, as Jack celebrates the injuries of college. <laughs> I mean, I, weirdly I mean, impressive. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. No, I mean, I feel bad for the injury. Hope hope you get better, <laughs> guy. But <laughs> guy. Uh, so yeah, I mean. I, for me, it's defense, um, but I, I'm sure if Caleb wants to make the the case for offense, I think I, it would. My I biggest concern would have been offense. Yeah. Uh, before you even started answering, I was like, "Please say defense," so I could say no, offense. There we go. Um, be, Embr- be, Embrace debate. Well, because what Nebraska's identity is, and yes, although you have new leadership, that doesn't change the way the team, like the way the guys have been on the team, the way it's structured. And the way the team is structured is that your offense has to put up points because the defense isn't going to be able to slow everybody down enough. And we saw last week that the offense just struggled. Obviously, they did just enough. Like, it was still a win. Um, But I have so many concerns about the offensive line being able to hold up enough for this offense to put up points. Because I'm still going to expect Purdue to get three, four, five touchdowns on Saturday. Five! It's a lot of touchdowns. Somewhere in there, looking at my score for the end of the show. Oh, wow. Um, so if you're looking at that, Nebraska has to put up points. I don't have a lot of conf- a lot of confidence in the offensive line to hold up enough for, one, Casey Thompson just to be healthy every single play. Like there, There's going to be some point where he's probably knocked out again tomorrow. We're probably going to see Chubba Purdy a little bit. Hopefully not knocked out. No, no, hopefully not like knocked out, just knocked where he gets hit and he's got to come out of the game at some point. <laughs> That's Pro- a weird thing to say is probably going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, don't, I don't disagree. There but hasn't it's just been a, a game without a backup quarterback snap since Georgia Southern, so. He's going to be in the medical tent at some point. Oh, jeez. No, that's that's he's been in the medical tent he's almost every the game. Odds. He, it's just he, weird to hear out loud. Right, that's, that's what's going Let's to happen. Let's not do that for fantasy Huskers. Okay. At what point in the game does Casey Thompson <laughs> no. go? To- no, wow. we, we we're not going to use player names. Uh, That's Cynthia right. told us not to do that. Right, um, number eleven. But the <laughs> will a quarterback? Um, but I just I, there's not a lot of confidence for me in the way the offensive line is playing. The way that they continue to shuffle people, I I've got some sound from uh, Mickey Joseph. We'll have in sound off, but. The part that I don't have in there is he talked about how with the LSU National Championship team, they had a different five every week. Well, I'm sorry that your different five every week was still better than anyone that's on the field right now for Nebraska. Like, there's just not a lot of confidence in that side for Nebraska to put up enough points if it does get beyond a three-touchdown game. Yeah, that's it will be fascinating to see how you how you scheme around a, a, a an offensive line that is really giving your quarterback not much time to throw. I mean, the the I mean the things I think of is you know you, you think of you know do you use the screen passes more? Do you do do you do more plays where you throw it out to I test Anthony on the side and have him basically run over a guy? That I like that play. I would say that's one good play that the offensive line they might be able to to get through. But I don't Are know. Are we in love with like, using the the off balance line? We may not be in love with it, but Mark Whipple is in love with Mark it. Mark Whipple is, but the, those are the plays where you see a lot of the miscommunication, especially if there's a running back back there, yeah. on who's taking. Usually a blitz ends up happening at this time, too. Um, and it worked out to get Travis Vokalek's touchdown because nobody covered him. 
But a lot of times that's where we see the miscommunication on who's got the rusher to the outside, who's picking up the inside. You see two guys go to one, and then it's a free shot at Casey. The the thing is, I mean, given the fact he was pressured over 20 times on his 37 drop batch, it doesn't matter if it was unbalanced or balanced anymore. Right, that's my part where they want to help out and find ways to help out. And one of the things that the offensive coordinator loves to do, and I'm sure it can work, just the same way that I'm sure throwing the ball out into the flats to the wide receiver the last few years could have worked. It just it hasn't. Yeah, With the unbalanced line, they do have the ability to roll it more. It's weird. They do more straight dropbacks than you would think with the unbalanced line. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have the yeah. the extra protection so you can swing that a little bit. But Let's get the boot and waggle well, game going. I, and that's boot one of the waggle. things I think they're going to have to do. I think you're going to have to put Casey on the move, um, which cuts off a portion of the field. But if he can be accurate. And the other thing is... I mean, I know he takes enough hits just going straight back, drop back. But have him run. If if he was in the notion to run more yeah. than usual in any one game that he's played so far this year, it would not be a bad idea on Saturday. I, you know what I keep thinking? I, I still wonder, and I don't know if, if, if Purdy or Smothers is the guy to do this, but I know they want to get, I mean, how about some packages where, where quarterback run becomes more of a, a concern for the defense. Remember that time we saw Logan Smothers on the field? Yeah, I I do. I mean, I think that was kind of a Scott Frost thing, but I uh, you know, he came I don't in know. about got his head ripped off. Maybe and... some of those plays that Frost had that he liked are still in the playbook, still available. Bring bring I don't know. I'm thinking of every, look, everything's on the board right yeah, now. Yeah, it's all got to be on the table and I'm sure they have a Logan Smothers package. I don't know that we'll see it on Saturday, but it wouldn't be the worst time for it. Yeah. If you're just trying to you're just trying to move the ball. I, I do think you know everyone gets hung up on that fourth and one play call for for Whipple last Friday, but no, he did a nice terrible. job adjusting in the second half, getting guys like Travis Vokalek and Anthony Grant open by just having them hang in in late release against mm-hmm. an empty set. So yeah, they got to figure out how to um, do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, as much as it's easy to tear down coaches in the middle of the game because you don't like the play call or the result. They've done a nice job back to back weeks adjusting to the opponent. I mean, they, they've shut down for Bill Bush. The scoring has all pretty much happened in clusters both mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for, for Mark Whipple, he's been able to, in the second half, find things that are there based off of looks they saw in the first half. So if Nebraska can just be in the second half of this game, I feel better about their coach's ability this season to get something going in the second half than I have in the last couple years. Okay. Since you brought up that fourth and one, my biggest issue on that was that earlier in the drive, you saw Anthony Grant take a man's soul. How does he well, not get the ball and with they also, one yard to go? That was the other thing, is they got a fourth and one a we little could, bit we earlier. We could pull up the whole second half uh, <laughs> stats in terms of running the ball if we want. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. Well, uh, the, wait, what about this? Not pretty. Jacques Yant Wildcat. We can call it the We Love You in Lincoln package. Yep, he just can't false start. <laughs> or uh, trip. Okay. Or fumble the ball. I'm sure he can pass, though. I would jump love. <laughs> Please let Jackie Ant jump. Pass. I would That's love the key. You know the advanced stats on this. Like if there was like a department I could go to and basically be like, "Can you look up every time it's a uh, short option for Nebraska where you know it's first and goal or whatever, where you basically need three yards or less to either get the first down or a touchdown?" His success rate would be in the like less than ten percent. 
for a short yardage back. Nebraska has never been able to utilize him across two years, and it blows my mind. That's why I want I think him. he has like He's 20 due. carries in the red zone to two touchdowns. He needs a new look. Get him in the Wildcat. It might help. All right. 629. Again, everything's on the table. <laughs> All right. 629. We'll take a break. We got your sound off coming up next. You're listening to Friday Husker Tailgate on KLIN. To the Huskers, home and away. Welcome to KLIN. Now streaming live on your Amazon device and at KLIN.com. I will now connect you to the live stream. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Meteorologist Malcolm Byron. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIN. But first, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. Two picks left this week. We're looking for the total points scored between Nebraska and Purdue. So basically your Vegas over under. If you want to pick, text in the keyword to the Rick's Time Recognition text line at 402-479-1400. That word today for the ninth pick is... Lafayette. Ooh. L-A-F-A-Y-E-T-T-E. Yeah, there you go. Got it. Still perfect. Still perfect. Lafayette. Type in Lafayette and uh, text that into that number, and you'll be entered to get the chance at the ninth pick and entered to... Uh, get a chance to perhaps win 50 bucks at Valentino's Alumni Hall if you're a good predictor in terms of how many total points that there are. All right. I want to get... Whoa, there's my voice. Uh, I want to get into the sound off, and uh, we got some audio from Mickey and others here on the sound off today, and so we will... Hey, Kenny, uh, I think you need to mute yourself, by the way. Is that where it's coming from? Yeah. All right. Uh, so we will uh, we'll get to that here as soon as we have the technical ability to We're do good. so. All right. Let's hear what. Uh, what do you want to start with, Caleb? Uh, so on uh, this is back on Tuesday. Mickey Joseph talked about the team's feeling after two straight wins. Well, like you said, we have a twenty-four hour rule, so we celebrate it for twenty-four hours. We come in Sunday and we put it to bed Sunday night, and we get back on a Monday. So it's 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 about preparing. You know, I, I know we all talk about momentum, but if you played this game, there's really no such thing as momentum because you can have momentum and get your butt whooped. You know, so our, our job is to come back today and start preparing ourselves to go 1-0 and this week. Well, there goes my theory that Nebraska might play better with momentum. <laughs> Mickey Joseph doesn't I was believe thinking, in it. I was thinking, like, as much as he talks about the 24-hour rule, it flies in the face of everything you believe in, which is to celebrate for as long and as yeah. loudly as possible. So it turns out, <laughs> Mickey, even after the game has been settled for years, yeah, but I mean, considering but, the uh, the Nebraska-Michigan thing and the the 
Jordan Spieth's caddy from your old college. That's true. Right. Uh, basically, everything he said there is antithetical to what I actually believe about football. <laughs> Nonetheless, I still like him as a coach. Uh, yeah. Tw- 24-hour rule. He's been big on that uh, that 24-hour rule. And I suppose that's part of the reason why, you know, what, and, and Nebraska got some critique by Dan Patrick, among others, for over-celebrating after the Rutgers game, which I thought was ridiculous, but... Are you guys with me on that? Yes. Okay. Uh, it's celebrated it all, all times. Out it always comes from like the same sort of media people. Like Adam Rittenberg couldn't believe Nebraska was celebrating when its safety turned kicker beat Northwestern in 2019. Mm-hmm. Like he had these series of tweets before realizing that a safety basically kicked a game-winning field goal for a team that's not very good this year. Right. Yes. And it's it's also just I don't know why do people care. I don't know, and and, and the, it's just like Nebraska wins a game, and we need to have commentary on the fact that they're excited by the fact they won a football. Right. Game. Well, they all want Nebraska to only celebrate if it's for a conference or a national title, because that that's what the program is. Okay, how many of these eighteen to twenty four year olds have really been playing or have any memory of those days at all? Let them celebrate a win, and the- especially now. The funny thing is I think that's part of the mentality that's held the program back sometimes is just this <laughs> insistence on comparing everything. Act like you've been there. Yeah, no. I don't care no, because you've they got haven't. To, they need to celebrate baby steps and build some emotional momentum in this program. I thought and we were going to get your diatribe about how the, everyone needs to look outward instead of the inner turmoil that's consumed. Th- that, I do believe that, too. Yeah, that's also. I that's what we were getting. It's That's part and parcel of <laughs> the theory. It, it was going to be, you know, like a jukebox. Like no, we were just going to punch in the number, and you were just going to come. I'm to glad you brought here. that up, Mike, because it's part and parcel of the exact same theory that I've got on this, which is part of the reason why Nebraska fans won't allow themselves and to to get excited and say whoever Iowa or Wisconsin is a rival is because they still believe that Nebraska is above that. Forget that. That's over. That is over. You are the bona fide underdog this weekend. To Purdue. 13 and a half. No more saying, no more saying, oh, it's Purdue. If you get a win like that and you can't celebrate it, that is done and it should be done. It doesn't help the program get better anymore to have that attitude within the program. And it's ignorant of reality if you're doing it outside of the program. So it's time to flush that because we tried to do that for about 10 years longer than we should have been doing it. So, yeah, you know what? You win against Rutgers, you win against Purdue, celebrate that thing. Take baby steps. And by the way, given the context of what these play do you think Anthony Grant, do you think Anthony Grant when he's celebrating in the in the end zone is thinking like, well, Rutgers historically hasn't been that good of a program and Nebraska in the past has been significantly better. I wonder when I run that calculus in my head. No, he ran a dude over and they came back and won. I'd celebrate too. That's it. I'm going to need you when you're this emotional to not use words that begin with F because I'm getting really close to do I got to hit the dump button over here? Listen, I've never, that's never been an issue. Um, never, no, no, so, but I am fired up. I'm fired up. It was a stupid take and it was, it was within Mickey's 24 hours. So. <laughs> As long as it's, it's twenty four hours, it was like twenty four. Like it was like twenty four minutes. If, so it becomes if this bit for you, like you basically are in search of like 
you're running down players to see how they're spending the last 10 minutes of their 24 <laughs> I'm gonna hours. Say, you know what? After every Why are you not wearing a party hat? Hold you on. you got to find exactly when the win happens. Yes, I'm going to set, set an alarm. When the 24 hours will, is up. I will do that this week, okay? <laughs> so if Nebraska this closes... This feels like an incredible bit. If, the, if Nebraska closes out the game at like 9.57 uh, tomorrow night and wins... I will tell my Siri to set alarm for 9.57 p.m. on Sunday, and that's the end of our party. And then you're going to tweet okay. out, all right, time to, time time, to stop time partying. To, and you know what? It's time to pay attention I'm to the body. lock it in for two weeks for <laughs> Illinois. Mike, you're right. It's normally not how I live life, but I'll jump on Mickey's methods for the rest of this season all at right. least, and I'll shut down the party at 9.57 p.m. on Sunday, if needed. But that's 24 <laughs> if, hours. If, if needed. If but needed. That, I like it. Just throw that at. Thank you, lawyer. But that 24 hours is going to be lit, as the children say. As the, not just, just the kids, as the children say. The, okay. What uh, else do we have? Mickey Joseph talked about how the team handled their first true road environment. Well, I think the boys did a great job at Rutgers with the so-called sellout crowd. Because it wasn't a sellout. Let's be real about it. Okay, let's be real about it. It wasn't a sellout. So we hoping Purdue have a sellout. Okay, we hope Purdue has a sellout because at the end of the day, we, we, we embrace playing in a hostile environment. You know, chaos, we, we embrace that. Control chaos, we embrace that. And the kids, that really, really get their focus. All right, so we're going to have to figure out how we defend Nebraska's sellout when you see a bunch of empty seats. If okay. the interim head coach, it's how many, it's if the tickets are sold. I don't care if they show up or not. Okay. Stadium on. could I, be empty. If they're sold, they're sold. I will be counsel for Mickey on this one, even if he has not hired me. Okay. Um, I am a, I am a third party. Way to take on a losing is, case. Good for you. This is me uh, filing an amicus brief, basically, in this case, as a third uninterested party here. Number one. When have you ever been uninterested? N- number one. Argument number one. What, yes, of course, Nebraska has the sellout streak, and sometimes sometimes it is not genuinely felt like a sellout. They've used machinations, essentially, to keep the sellout streak going. It has never looked like Rutgers looked in that game or even been close. The stands, the stands look 40% full, 30% full, okay? So, number one, completely different animal. Number two. Number. So your line is whether or not it looks over a certain percentage full? Yeah, that's part of it. Absolutely. The visual? The visual has Memorial Stadium ever during a sellout looked anything like Rutgers looked like? Anything. What, what's the definition of a sellout? Well, all of the tickets sold. Okay. Why does it matter then what who shows up on game day? What Be, the attendance is? The attendance has nothing to do with what the sellout is. It sounds particularly absurd when the stadium's thirty percent full, as opposed to in a Nebraska situation. I don't know what's the worst you've had: eighty-five percent, ninety percent. Yeah, okay. it was funny. Eighty-five percent. Why? That's a whole fifteen percent. That's that's how many thousands of people? Ten, twelve thousand. Caleb, you know what I did when I saw one of the? They went to break in the first quarter, and they showed they panned the stadium, and the announcer, whoever it was, was like a sellout crowd at Rutgers. I laughed. It was funny. It was funny, and the visual and him saying sellout crowd was funny. Okay, at the beginning of the game. Oh, it is funny. number two. Number two. Argument number two on behalf of Mickey. <laughs> Uninterested party. <laughs> Uninterested. I don't know. Do you guys think Mickey was briefed? Last year when Mickey was at uh, LSU, do you think he was briefed week to week on what Nebraska was doing to keep the sellout streak alive in 2021? 
Do you think he was aware, made aware of it? Do you think he came in here and they gave him some kind of a PowerPoint about how they had donors come in and buy the tickets and gave them away from the Red Carpet Club? No, he doesn't know any of that. He hasn't been following that. So easy. Nebraska fans need to go easy. There's this weird... There's this weird subset of Nebraska fans that are so angry about keeping the sellout streak going artificially or not. You know, that's how they define it, that they will go in on their own team, on their own coach, on their own fans to keep their point going about that. And it's a bizarre phenomenon, but I've seen it. So that's many a weird times. point that has nothing to do with this context, because I don't care how the tickets are sold. If they're sold, they're sold. Uh, the people that I'm talking about do. Okay, but that's a different argument. You're making an I'm, argument. I'm that's making not an argument the- that Mickey took friendly fire from Nebraska fans for this, and it's annoying. That's a that, that that's my continued argument. It's not the same case. Well, it's, it, listen, it's just it's it's case adjacent. Objection. I, anyway, <laughs> Mickey was, Joseph talked fu- about Mickey, what needs to happen. I agreed to with you. It. I agreed with you. I thought it was funny that they called it a sellout. I think it's funny that they always play the dance remix of an Oasis song at Rutgers for every sporting event. Mickey Joseph talked about what needs to happen to improve the offensive line. Well, we, we you know, we got to get him some help. You know, we got to get him some help with the with the play calling, with um, protection, you know, all of that. And we got to make sure we, we have our right five, our best five on the field. So do we think they have their best five on the field? Do we think they have five? Well, no, no, no. Just their best five. Not what that level is for any oh, of them. I know what I said. You, you take the set of players that you've got. I said Have what you I picked said. the best five? It's not it's not complicated. Do I mean I, I I mean it's not like there are guys there are guys if there's like a stud that they have forgot to play at this point, that'd be weird. Now the concern is that when you need to get them help, is you only have one running back and one tight end, and you have five offensive linemen, and generally none of those five right now can hold up one on one against a high quality player across from them. Like that's a it's a massive concern. Now the offensive line has had a litany of things go wrong, starting with. You know, Nuri's suspension followed by Teddy's injury and just generally not being in the same confidence level that he was as a freshman uh, even prior to that. Bryce Benhart's regression, Ethan Piper's regression. Uh, the fact that you just don't really have the depth where, I mean, a guy like Brock Bando, you're hoping to kind of plug a hole, is actually having to start for you. And, you know, they just don't have enough guys that are bona fide Big Ten starters. Like that's a that's a legitimate problem that it's not just as easy to commit extra resources to that because you have to decide before every play which of these five guys needs the most help. I haven't watched like the, the middle hard. a lot. Is, is Trent Hickson done okay? Trent Hickson has been the stalwart on this offense. I was like, he, really? he's the one that we the never talk moment, about. The one moment where Trent Hickson's name has been mentioned all season came on the uh, snap receival at the very end of the Rutgers game. Yes. Because his snap wasn't great for that. Mm. Uh, at the same time that Greg Shiano was diving at knees, but as he has done victory throughout his formation. career. Yeah, I know. When did that happen? I was like, that happened in the NFL, didn't it? Yep. Same oh, thing. Yeah. But look, I mean, play. on the off chance. Like, I don't, dirty, dirty. Just what they're doing. Let me ask you this, though. Weren't Mike covering recruiting, like, Ben Hart and Corcoran came highly in. Rated. Yeah, highly Top 100 guys. What? 
And of course, sometimes recruits don't pan I, out. I, I get think it, Corcoran's but... out of position. And, and if you know, I mean, when we've had this conversation in the past, he's a guard. He's Matt Farniok. Like Matt Farniok's in the NFL, and there's a subset of fans that thought he was the worst offensive lineman that ever played, and it was because he had to play right tackle when he couldn't play tackle. Really? He you think it's a, guard. a similar situation? Now he's on the Dallas Cowboys in the NFL as a guard. Turner Corcoran has a chance to make the NFL as a guard, but he's being asked to play tackle Jeez. because Nebraska doesn't have enough offensive linemen. And every year, and they just have not been able to, to solve this uh, Rubik's Cube. So well, Why not put Anthony on the other tackle then and, and try him at a guard? Because you're now putting Anthony at right tackle, who's beating out Bryce Benhart. I well, but I mean, man, at least, but listen, you're at a, I get what you're saying, but yeah. at some point, I can't imagine why you wouldn't at least try that. Well, look, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I don't know how you get to this point in the season where it's just now apparent that Hunter Anthony needs to be one of your starting offensive linemen. But look, I mean, every decision they've made with this offensive line dating back to removing Greg Austin has not worked for them. Mm. They weren't able to get the transfer portal players they wanted. They have really, you know, like I said, with Nuri and with uh, Teddy Prohaska and the issues there, that kind of really cuts into your depth. You're playing someone out of position in Turner Corcoran. You have an offensive line coach that's in his first year ever being an offensive line coach with no experience to draw on to start with who's now having to fix all of this on the fly. Well, Nebraska's committed an insane amount of resources of, you know, extra coaching help to help with this offensive line. Mm -hmm. I mean, the worst decision Scott Frost has made as a coach probably still happened at the very end of his tenure hiring Donovan Rayola. And I don't say that as an insult to Donovan Rayola. It was the most important thing he had to do, and he hired a guy with no experience. Yeah. He put someone in a horrible situation and asked them to figure it out with no experience. Hmm. I mean, that's baffling when we can look back. It was baffling at the time, and it's still baffling to me now, and they're going to be paying for it for a while. Do you know what the crazy thing? Like, I believe Kirkran and Ben Hart are still, because of COVID, are still sophomores. Like, uh, See, Prohaska so is ben Hart's, ben Hart's redshirt freshman year would have been 2020. Yeah. Uh, so that didn't count. So then his redshirt freshman year was 2021. So he's, so a, he's sophomore a sophomore. Redshirt. I think Kirkran's a sophomore. Might be the same. Yeah, I think thing. he's a sophomore. Prohaska yep. just played the one year. Yep. Um, Nuri would what he's he will be a, a sophomore, I assume. I think he's, I a, think junior he's a junior redshirt. He'll be a, okay, be a junior, he'll be a junior redshirt. redshirt. And I'm not saying you know, obviously you need to make changes here at this point. But well, like you, you these guys, to... like the core of this line, <laughs> this line's going to be around if you want them to be for a long time. Whoever it is has to figure out how to unearth the best out of these guys because there was a period of time where Bryce Benhart was a perfectly competent right tackle. For Nebraska in 2020. The fact he's regressed as much as yeah. he has is my biggest concern. Mm -hmm. Like this, he went from at least being average to, you know, slightly below average to you can't play him. Was right that now. because of who he was playing with, though, on the offensive Could line? Not, not that Nebraska's line has, was yeah. great. Um, but it, you think about the guys that were still part be. of that line in 2020. Yeah, because you still had Farniak on the inside at right guard. You had Brandon Hymas on the on the left. I mean, you had three NFL guys. Yeah, on that offensive line. In so you you can you can look pretty good when there's three sure. NFL guys. Think about that for a moment. Nebraska had three NFL guys but on the, that offensive line. The thing of it is, to me. It's not that they lack experience. They just haven't been good. I mean, Ethan Piper has double-digit starts. Bryce Benhart has double-digit starts. Turner Corcoran has double-digit starts. Like, they have plenty of reps. Yeah. Reps aren't the issue. Yeah. 
it just hasn't worked. Yeah. And like at some point, that becomes like hard to to kind of even figure out. Yeah. So and then all of this in the context of oh hey Mark Whipple call a game. We don't know if you're going to be <laughs> if you're going to have any holes for your running backs to run with, or if your offensive line is going to keep the quarterback upright, or whatever. Go call a game. Yeah, that's hard. That's really hard. All right, we will see. We will see who's out there. The optimism in Jack's eyes, or just I can see it offensive fading. line talk. Air to the south and cooler air to the north. While the day starts with lots of sunshine, we'll add some clouds for the afternoon. For the Channel 8 Storm Alert team, I'm meteorologist Malcolm Byron. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 655, a couple of minutes left. Uh, guys, n- not a ton more detail on some of the injuries that are significant in this game. I'm really focused and curious about the Luke Reimer, Quentin Newsome thing. Mike, it sounds like uh, sounds like they're both going to make the trip. They're both going to kind of try and go through warm-ups. So we don't know a whole lot more yeah. than that from what I understand. From what I have gathered, uh, the feeling is better about Luke Reimer at the moment, that he'll be able to give it a go. Um, then maybe Quentin Newsom, but they are both going to travel. And then, you know, if, if the, the tough part gets to be if Newsom's like 80% is, you know, what level of go is it? Right. You know, so, and then that becomes how effective can he be in a game in which, you know, they're going to probably drop back 40 times. So that, that becomes kind of a, then do you have to manage it or is he just able to go out there and just play? Um, are they being a little coy about it because Purdue has some injuries? I mean, Charlie Jones is banged up a little bit. Mm. So um, there's, you know, there could be Sorry, some I games. Didn't, I didn't applaud that time. <laughs> <laughs> that becomes the same conversation we had with yep. Adrian Martinez, though, the last few years, right? It was, is a 60% Adrian Martinez who's hurt with a jaw, hurt with an ankle, or yeah. whatever, is that still better than the backup? And it was like, well, actually, yeah, 60% Adrian Martinez was the best thing you had. You know, honestly, though, you pick, maybe outside of Nelson, you pick two guys that are, just seem key for this yeah. defense. It's those two guys. Yeah, you don't like, want, I can't think of two more impactful people to lose. You do not want them uh, not on the field on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, I mean, Reimer especially, because I, I think his... I think his value is kind of your, right now, maybe your surest tackler and maybe your best defender. I mean, I go back and forth because I think Garrett Nelson mm-hmm. has really raised his level, but you, you want him on the field for that. And then someone's going to have to cover Payne Durham, the tight end for, for Purdue. And I feel like that's a Gifford Reimer kind of back and forth thing. They've done good covering tight ends this year. They've Pretty done good. Well yeah. in but they haven't, they have not faced one that's quite this yeah, good. And that would true. be. Or a team that's just willing to feed the tight end in the that's same true. way that Purdue I, does. I just noticed a couple of times in the last two games when when quarterbacks on the opposing team tried to go to tight end, I was like, "Oh, there's a guy on, there's a linebacker on him who's running with him, yeah, uh, right with him," and that was wildly pleasant. Two other quick notes from yesterday: no black shirts uh, the rest of this year. The way that sounds, and Thomas Fedoni, they're not going to rush him back. He's most likely shut down. I think they are just shutting it, it down. It might be why he posted the gif of the. Jail cell yeah, last week. Last week, which Man, made I me wonder. Man, I, I nothing hope we but the best that for that kid. Play. I hope that it. Uh, yeah. he know, is comes uh, back strong next year. That'd be great to be able to see him actually on 
the field. All right, there you go. Uh, coming up during the 7 o'clock hour, I've got another coaching metric for you. We're going Big Ten experience this week. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Anything that gets in your way, call the traffic hotline 402-479-1414. That's a quick check of your time saver traffic. thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium upside down right now. Stroud back in the pocket, being rushed, gets hit as he throws down the field. It's going to be intercepted. Miles Farmer at the 15-20 up the sideline. Rocked out of bounds. Flag comes out. This is the Friday Husker tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome to Hour 2 of the Friday Husker Tailgate. I'm Jack Mitchell along with Caleb Henry, Mike Schaefer. We've got uh, Kenny Larrabee running our video cast. You can watch on Facebook, facebook.com slash 1400KLIN. Enjoy our conversations during the break if you would like to. Uh, got a good hour of the show for you here. Glad you've tuned us in. I'm going to get into my master coaching metrics where we continue to talk about the next coach at the University of Nebraska, who it should be, what metrics are important to you, and then I kind of fill in the blanks on how you would organize if you find those metrics to be important. So we're going to get into that here in a minute. We're going to give out helmet stickers this hour. Also count down the five things that you are going to be talking about this week. Uh, so welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Uh, real quick, before I get into my uh, my metric this week, um, I, I'm curious from both of you, like, What's your perception of just how the coaching change talk changes week to week? And I, I think from 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 the fans, and I think the, there's an obvious part of it, which is you know Mickey Joseph, it, like we talked about, if he wins this week, Mickey Mania is going to be at a very high level, which it already you could argue it is. But I, it, it, I'm just curious, how have you guys seen um, the just the fan conversation evolve in the weeks uh, since it started? Michael, I'll start with you. I know, and I know you've got your message boards on 24 seven. Yeah, so, that message boards which are awesome. Which are it's just it's interesting to me how different it already feels than when this whole thing started. Well, uh, the annoyance for me is that like I think. 
people take in-season results a little bit too far in the current year? Like, you know, apparently Matt Campbell has been eliminated because Iowa State has lost three games this year to other potential coaching candidates. So therefore, uh, Aranda took a hit last night. Yeah, uh, yeah what was it? You know, and it's just game? like, if you were basing it entirely off of what they're doing in the given year, then you're going to end up with a coach that you're probably not going to have long term. Uh, so there's that. And then the other thing is it's so long. Like, it's just, I mean, we're already a month into it. You start off with these hot boards, and then you kind of either start adding or eliminating people, but they're really, it's not based on a lot. It feels like every coach has an opportunity where they're going to be the flavor of the month uh, because someone heard something or something was sort of tangibly reported or not. Uh, Matt Rule gets fired, and we're going to spend like a couple days really kind of dissecting and talking Matt Rule. But then, how long is that conversation going to last? Like, does that does that carry us into the month of November, or is it sort of dead here if Mickey Joseph wins on Saturday? So, Rule's these are, stock somehow went up after he got fired from Carolina. I I think because it's it's widely regarded he's going to go back to college, and that's probably a better fit for his personality than the NFL. And I personally think he would be at the high end of the you know hires if if they really? could make that. I I don't know that everyone would be on board with it, but I think it would be pretty easy to for Trev Alberts to introduce him as the guy who brought Baylor back after being on the brink of the death penalty with thirty some scholarships, and then uh, you know he's going to probably win people over pretty quickly with just the style that he has. Mm-hmm. So because um, I I think he represents and I think he'll do well in your your uh, BTE metric, as I've decided to, to call What's it. What's that one? BTE, Big Ten Experience. Ah, Big Ten Experience. Ah, yes. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when we looked at the big picture of Scott Frost not being fired last year, part of it came down to there were still people saying he needed more time. But then when you got to this year and you saw things weren't going great, one and three, then you had the majority of people. The only The only people taking exception to... Scott Frost being fired was the when they were saying, okay, you could have gotten to October 1st. Then it became semantics at that point. But pretty much everyone was saying, all right, yeah, he's got to go. Whereas if Trev would have fired him last year, you would have split the fan base a little bit, those saying he needed more time versus where the situation was. We're heading down that path again right now. And and that that was one of my concerns where I'm split between I want there to be success with the program, but I also don't want... Trev to be shoehorned into his next coaching hire, mm-hmm. where it's this is what the fans want, and if you don't make that happen, whether or not Mickey Joseph comes back next year, my concern going forward is that you hire someone else that's not Mickey Joseph, and the fan base is all of a sudden split going into January. And that that's, I think, where we're at right now because of the success that you've had on the field, back-to-back wins, um, you've gone 2-1, two, two and one, a chance to go three and one, a realistic chance, um, whether or not any or all of us pick Purdue later today, there's still a realistic chance to get to that point. So it, it's gone from, all right, well, let's see how Mickey does. You go through the Oklahoma game. It's like, all right, well, let's see what all of the other names are out there. You get through the bye week and then, well, they got to win. So, all right, well, you guys should stop talking about the other coaches. You guys should, there's a coach for this team already, and you guys should be supporting him. And then he gets another one, and it's like, well, Mickey Joseph, if Scott Frost got four years, Mickey Joseph should get a two-year contract right now to see how this rides out. And that's just, that's, that's not how it works. 
guys, that's that's not how it works at all. But that's where we're at at this point. On, on October fourteenth, the two year contract. Oh my thing. god, it's it's getting it's picking up steam, and it is getting so dumb. If if Scott Frost got this contract for this much money, Mickey Joseph should get a shot too for a couple of years. I'm like, that's that's not the way it works though. So he's that, in such a good spot though. I mean, if you if you think about it. He basically can kind of control his own destiny in a lot of ways, in a way that other coaches can't. Yeah, because you actually get to visualize him being in the chair because he's in the chair. Mm-hmm. Like you know the the black shirt thing, the decision with Thomas Fedoni. Like he's sort of outlining this is what it would look like if I was the head coach, and people get to respond and react to that, and that makes it really fascinating. And yet at the same time, there's just a part of me that's just screaming like, let it play out. Mm-hmm. Well, know, what it, it looks like now could be very different when Wisconsin's coming to town. His answer when talking about Gabe Irvin and, and saying that it's not it's not the trainer, it's not the head coach, it's not the position coach, it's when that player says they're ready to go. If that player says they're not ready to go, then I'm not going to play him. He says right. that's what it's going to be as long as I'm up here. His answer when he was asked about the wide receiver room because of uh, Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda, which is one of the most fun names to roll out when we do talk about him. We just haven't talked about him since really he'll that just, opening he'll game. He'll stop at four helmet stickers for right. the year. So, which... uh, so IGC hits the transfer portal, and Mickey says, good, if a player wants to hit the transfer portal, you got to support them. That's, the coaches leave all the time. If a player wants to leave, then that's their decision, and I'll help him out as best I can if he ever asks for it. Like Everything he's saying are ways that you can envision him running a program. But let him run the program the rest of this right. year so that we don't get to December and Nebraska is or isn't playing in a in a bowl game and you have the next head coach named to where there's just ultimate disappointment. That's yeah. what it was those first two weeks. It was like, guys, don't don't put everything, all of your eggs into the Urban Meyer basket because you're gonna be nothing but disappointed when it gets to the end. Do you guys think it's <clears throat> do you guys think it's right or fair to assume that that Mickey Joseph wants the head coach job. I know. I mean, I know he said. I know he said what he said in the the opening press conference when he was asked. You know, well, you know, is this something you'd like to do? And he said, "Well, when you take an interim spot, I'm paraphrasing. When you take right. an interim spot, it's a tryout for the for the head coach." But I, I, like, I don't know. And, and and maybe. And frankly, even if he didn't at the time, I I suppose I could easily change after you do it for a few weeks and it I goes well. I was going to well. say about get, a month into it, yeah, I'd you, be surprised if he'd be like, "I'd rather go back to just yeah." That's wide like I, I, I don't know. I just hear, I've heard a lot of people question that, and I I don't I know was the one answer. of those people. I don't know the answer. Yeah, I I and you know we'll see because that could evolve too in November. I mean. He might get to it and be like, this is a lot, and I don't necessarily seek this out. Like, I was perfectly fine just being an associate head coach and having those roles. Yeah, I kind of doubt that at this point, just based on... I think he's enjoyed having his opportunity to put his own sort of stamp on things. Yeah, he doesn't seem like... Yeah, and, he, yeah, I mean, right. frankly, he's acted like a head coach, mm-hmm. which I've, I've really kind of appreciated. Because whenever there's sort of a power vacuum, you never know how people are going to handle that. And he's stepped right in and basically been like, my team, this is how we're doing it. And, you know, right or wrong, or there there really is no right or wrong, whether you agree with the decisions he's making or not, you can at least respect the fact that he basically eliminated the idea that this was going to be any sort of community, you know, like it it was going to be him. And I I appreciate that because the more you get – 
other voices or more cooks in the kitchen, so to speak, it can get really messy. No, and that's get, how you get it sometimes when you have the interim head coach right. going into a bowl game. Right. It's right. like, hey, the whole staff's coming together. We're going to noodle this, and we're just yeah. going to... Barney and, Cotton. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's, it's okay. I'm the, I'm the interim coach, but that's not what you have right now. Right. No, Mickey Joseph is the interim coach, period. Yep. Yeah. He's treating it. You're, you, you both make, I think, really good points there. Like, for number one... He stepped in, you know, the results on the field will be the results on the field, but he stepped in, like, ready with a philosophy, ready with, like... And these things like, matter to Trevor. Like, it's almost like he'd been thinking about it. You, I mean, you know what I mean? I think he was equipped with the idea that when he came here, there was a chance that it could end up... Like, if it doesn't work for Scott Frost, because no one's dumb. The 10-1 date was right. out there. Maybe you're I right. I mean, and... His relationship with Trev, which I did not know at the time, because, you know, they were teammates, but they've been in communication well before he was at Nebraska. Hmm. I mean, so they they obviously have kept up with each other. I will not, for the life of me, forget him walking into the press conference room the day that he was being uh, sort of introduced and was going to talk to all of us, sees Trev, and it was like the first time they'd seen each other since he'd been back in Nebraska, and it was like the biggest man hug that I had seen happen in that mm-hmm. press box cafeteria so there's there's a real strong relationship there so he is going to get a real look from trev there's right. no doubt about that. right and, and and then the other interesting question is still you know what what is the possibility and and mike i'd be interested in kind of your you i mean you you maybe know a little bit about how from the recruiting end of it how these coaching changes go and some guys might stay on with another staff some guys might not they're they're i I mean i think i'm one of the people that says i want him to be a part of the program if he's willing to no matter what how difficult is that to achieve in practice if you hire somebody from the outside though well you'd have to have that conversation pretty early on if you're trev alberts where you have to be like well i'm not telling you who you have to have, but here's the situation from the contract per side. Mickey Joseph has a right of refusal. I mean, basically, he can he can say that he wants to stay with this staff and take one of the ten assistant coaching spots, and then figure out where they want to put him. Uh, and that person just is going to have to take him. So that's if Mickey chooses to do that. That's just how his contract is written, mm-hmm. and they've been upfront about that more mm-hmm. or less. That he's here. And if you are an incoming coach, chances are you want to hold over at least a couple of assistants to keep the locker room a little bit, and you have the opportunity to hold an assistant that has a track record that he does. It makes it very, very interesting. Now, it's easier to do that when they weren't the interim coach. Right. That's where it gets tricky, but USC just did this with Dante Williams, former Nebraska assistant, very popular guy. They kept him in that role because he was a good recruiter and he was going to keep the class together. And they've been able to, you know, Lincoln Riley came in, kept Dante Williams. He's still involved. They don't lose uh, the recruiting aspect of it. And they've been none the worse. Now, easier to do that when you're hiring Lincoln Riley. Right. Yes. And easier to do that when it's not like Dante Williams lit the world on fire as the interim coach for USC. So if Mickey Joseph puts Nebraska in position to go to a bowl game, that's going to be a fascinating sort of dance if they hire another coach. Yes. But these are all the yeah. things that we have to let play out. Yeah. Because if Nebraska's season finishes at 3-9 and nine and they just lose the next six games, we're not having this conversation a month from now. Well, and I think, I think the part for Mickey's tryout here 
which, by the way, is getting him Big Ten experience. I know that that's what we're going to talk about here in a minute. Get the get the BTE. But even if Nebraska loses out, yes, I want to see the results on the field, but I think the bigger part for the tryout for Mickey Joseph is how is he running the program? How, how do they deal with week-to-week if things aren't going well? If the wheels start to fall off, what does the locker room look like? What what does the the coaching staff sound like when you hear from Bush and Whipple? Um, those are the parts that for Mickey, if he wants to be a head coach, whether that's Nebraska or if this this tryout turns into an opportunity somewhere else, or if he wants to come back as an assistant, whatever that is, how he handles the how he drives the bus for the program. Winning or losing. And that's the part about getting hung up on how coaching candidates, Mickey Joseph included, what their wins and losses look like for the rest of this year. Because yeah. that's not what's going to make the decision for Trev Alberts. You're absolutely correct. It's so interesting that you say that, but but there's this prevailing thought, and I've said it, like, okay, let's wait and see. Meaning, if he gets to six, seven wins this year, then he becomes a real candidate, but... On the other hand, we're also saying, well, you know, you look at uh, Matt Campbell, and let's say he ends up going 500 this year. Right. You're also saying, well, that shouldn't necessarily disqualify him. Those are different rules, essentially, well, it, that we've set it, up. It's, it's a it's, perspective is what it is. Mickey doesn't from, ha- the, from the outside, it looks easier to hire or not hire someone based on the season results this year. Right. But when you're looking at hiring someone, you're not looking at a one-year. I realize that's what ended up happening with Scott Frost. It was one really good year. And the history of being Scott Frost in this program. Right, yeah, but there, there was a lot that went into mm-hmm. it there. But you can't look at just one year. And I, it's I, all you got for Mickey as a head yeah, coach. Yeah, right. it, yeah, it's all you got. But that's the part where I'm looking more at how he handles the program. And the, individual components of yeah, it. Yeah, the, the, win, the winning would be great. That would be fantastic from the outside perspective. If you do end up high, like if you were to hire Mickey Joseph, you want there to have been the wins that solidifies that for your for your fan base as well. Mm-hmm. Like you would when you bring a coach in, it's going to be a lot easier if he had ten wins this year, you know, mm-hmm. than if someone went five hundred and you're like, well, I don't know, his program's kind of slipping. I. I just don't know how Trev does this now. I mean, like, it's it's like, how do you evaluate this as, and especially if Mickey continues to have success and you're working in the background on these other things, you probably got, I mean, I assume by this point you got a person or two that is your top external candidate that you yeah. had some sort of agent contact with and probably mutual interest. Are you waiting? Is that, or is it close to done? I mean, I just... I don't know the answer to that question, but man, you're in a place where you're kind of living week to week, or you're not, I guess, with with Trev Alberts right now. Yeah, I mean, it would be it'd be amazing if we could just sit him down and talk to him about how his process is here, but I, I feel like that's not likely to happen. No, you're probably right. Uh, but yeah, I would I would love to know just kind of how he thinks, even not even just week to week, but just like first half to second half. Because that first half, it felt like that, not that they weren't prepared, but they came out so flat that it just kind of felt like this is going to be an ugly performance. Mm-hmm. Second half rolls around. You have the Anthony Grant play. Like they just, they felt fired up. They looked fired up. They looked like they were the more aggressive team in the second half. It was just a different version of Nebraska football. Uh, so a lot of it, you know, if they, if they show up and they play well in West Lafayette and they don't win, but they show up and they play well, that's going to matter. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's 
there's so many things that aren't going to be quantifiable with Mickey Joseph that maybe are with other coaches. Right. And right. that's what makes him such a curious kind of decision down the stretch. Can I, let me ask you a recruiting-centric question, uh, Mike. Is there uh, – I mean, we know we, you know, we know Mickey's done a, a great job at, at recruiting, um, even, even as an assistant. That's actually where you do have kind of a resume that's back there. How, how many guys that are out there – how many guys that are out there that that have a a similar reputation as he does? As you know, they're bringing another coach. Are they going to be able to get something similar to whatever his reputation is, or am I just blowing it up because I, he's the coach right now? So I am of the mindset based on like who he has coached for the success that he's had that he would be on the higher end of your you know if you were looking at this like who do they hire in terms of top 25 recruiting classes, like Lane Kiffin would be at the, the highest end. Like if you were just going to stack them out. As a recruiter. And I'm I'm removing Urban Meyer because that's not going to happen. Yeah. So I'm just throwing that one away. But, yeah, if, if they go and hire Lane Kiffin, Nebraska is going to probably be recruiting in the top 15, top 20. Like that's mm-hmm. just kind of where I expect them to sort of be. Mm-hmm. If they hire Mickey Joseph, I would think probably top 20, top 25. I mean, once you start to get into Matt Campbell and Dave Doran and guys like that, it it sort of shifts into 30s and 40s maybe to start, and then once you have success, you can start to climb into it. But just where guys like Lane Kiffin and Mickey Joseph have coached at in recent history, they have been at programs that have top 10. Like So they know what it's like to have to go out and recruit those guys, how you can be successful recruiting those guys, the importance of recruiting the high-end players. Like it, so it's, What those guys even look right. like. Yeah. And and they you know you build your programs differently. Like for Lance Leipold, he's now recruiting in the 70s and 80s after recruiting in the 100s at Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And so he's only going to try to climb from that point forward. Matt Campbell now has Iowa State in the top 40 and that's pretty big new territory for them. So uh it it kind of changes. Bill O'Brien would be the the curious one there because when he was at Penn State they had all those sanctions and it made it harder and he had two top four classes, but he's coming off of a stint at being at Alabama where it's like his job is to go get the best possible quarterback that he can. <laughs> right. And like the expectation is you damn well have to do well, it. Right. Were, were those Penn State classes ranked so low just because they didn't have as many scholarships? And like, like if if you would have taken that average yeah. out, would they have actually um, ended up being better rated classes? They could have been. And then talking with people that covered the team around that time, like he went to great lengths to make sure they were getting guys that had absolutely no red flags because of the environment right. that they were in. But he also had some really strong evaluation wins, like Chris Godwin and other players that weren't really highly regarded. Um, they had Will Fuller committed until the sanctions came down. I mean, so he had, you know, a number of NFL guys came out of those classes. So the evaluation standpoint was really strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I look at Mickey and I think like if you wanted the guy who is going to fit the dream narrative for some part of the fan base where it's, I want someone who's going to hire coaches that I know their name in terms of assisting it. He has access to that in a way that other people don't. He's not going to bring a whole staff with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, what they have right now, there's going to be quite a few people that would go out the door looking for other yeah. work. Yeah. So, um, and then on top of it, I think he could recruit really high because he's a really tremendous recruiter. Mm-hmm. Nebraska hasn't had a head coach that I've covered where the head coach cares as much about recruiting as their top assistant recruiter does. Yeah. And so that in itself would be a seismic change. Interesting.
Um, so uh, two things here with my with my metrics. We've we've uh, we first rated the uh, we rated <laughs> that we rated the resumes based on a weighted scale for Power Five versus non Power Five. Uh, your your top five in that uh, based on longevity and what they've accomplished were Urban Meyer, Gary Patterson, Mike Gandhi, uh, Shaw, Whittingham, and then you got to Lane Kiffin, Jamie Chadwell, P.J. Fleck, O'Brien, Aranda was the top ten on that one. Uh, and then we did the uh, the turnaround artists, and we had a kind of a low number in terms of the amount of coaches who actually had really done the turnaround metric that I said, which was take a team from a five-year under 500 program to a two-year over 500 program. And we had, and we kind of had incompletes mostly on that one. Uh, with a possibility still for uh, for um, uh, Lane Kiffin to do that, right. Hugh Freeze had done that. It's nice to have those as, as notes when you're when yes. you're deciding between a couple. So this guys. so this week I did big. A lot of people say they should have some Big Ten experience, and so this is a really simple metric. But I just took. Years as a head coach, years as an assistant as the Big Ten. I gave 50% credit for years as an assistant, 100% credit for years as a head coach. Man, Luke Fickle's still probably coming out like number one, right? Luke Fickle's uh, two. two. Bielema. Bielema's oh, one. Oh, Bielema, that's yeah. right. In terms of the list that I had of, of potential coaches, Bielema is one. There's actually not that many on that list. I was going to say, no, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bielema is one. He gets a nine uh, on my scale. Uh, Fickle is too. He gets a seven because he was an assist. He was only the interim one year, but he was the assistant mm, for so long. Yeah. So he actually gets a seven. Uh, the next one listed would be Urban Meyer. Uh, the the next one after that would be PJ Fleck. You know, again, doesn't feel like a real candidate, but I'm just going with the whole the whole list of that thing. Row big red. Uh, next one is uh, Dave Doran. He gets uh, two point five with his time as an assistant. Then you got Bill O'Brien, who only had those two years yep. of being a, mm-hmm. a head coach on the list, and then Dave Aranda gets three half seasons as an assistant. None of the other, nobody else on my list, unless I'm missing somebody that you guys are thinking. We're not looking at Leonard from Wisconsin. N- nobody, no, we're not looking at Leonard anymore. I took. He <laughs> we're not going to just go take. He him. wasn't on the list, so I mean, there are a very few of uh, and, uh, guys of that list, like the ones that. I think that are really, you know, really in the mix anymore. Uh, I mean, I don't really believe Meyer, Fleck, um, Bielema are, are particularly in the mix. So, if you're looking at big, if you are looking at Big Ten experience, you're looking at Aranda, you're looking at Fickle, um, and you're looking at, at Bill O'Brien, D- O'Brien and Doran. Yeah, those four. There, there's four. There's only, essentially four guys you're going to get Big Ten experience with. So, for what of that, whatever that's worth. Well, I think that's why you see those names. Probably, probably, but yeah, that's not and 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 all of those guys fall right in the middle, right kind of all right together in the middle of my resume ranker. Okay, so we had O'Brien is is uh, number number nine on my resume ranker. Aranda is ten. Bielema is eleven. Dorn is twelve, and then Fickle is sixteen on or fourteen, I should say, on that list. And that list was out of how many again? Uh, I've got twenty twenty two on there. I added a twenty three. I added Chris Peterson on there because there's been a little oh, bit. Of, okay, been, I added Chris Peterson okay. by the way. So he jumps in. He jumps in to number. Uh, he's tied with Chadwell at number eight on resume right now. Wow! Chris so he's, Peterson, he's top eight, but he does not m- meet the turnaround metric because Washington was decent under Sarkeesian yep. before he got there, and Boise State basically didn't lose for five years before he got there. So there right. you go, there you go. See, it's giving a useful tool. By the way, 
Just going to tell you. Let me, let me just ask this. Right now, your three favorite candidates for this job. Um, you don't have to rank them. You can just, your your three guys. It could be any of these three, and you're going to be I'm happy. Gonna, I mean, I know I'm going to get killed for this, but Lane Kiffin's still my number one. I don't think you'll get killed for No, no I will get killed. Kill. I'm, gonna, I'm not sure who's killing you, you that he's undefeated coach at Old Miss. I'm going to get killed. Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin is, I, I is my favorite. I don't know why you think you're going to get killed. I'm going to get killed. I don't, uh, I don't understand. What am I missing? Get him in the medical tent. I don't know. Mickey Joseph. He needs a smart. <laughs> Lane Kiffin, Mickey Joseph, and maybe Chris Peterson now? I don't know. I'm I figured some, he'd be in your top three. I'm having three some once thoughts you, on him you just after I really it. delved into his resume. What about you? Kiffin, Mickey, Aranda. Aranda would be close, too. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be good with... And I'll tell you, Mickey, or uh, I'm just going to keep Dave Clawson in there, even though he's not a real candidate. I'm still not wow, out you, on. You really helmet stickered that by just. I got to say someone else. Eh. <laughs> I'm still not out on Campbell either, but I don't know if that's happening. So, save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Epic Hotline 402-479-1414. That's another check of your time saver traffic. I'm Chris Lofgren. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIN. All right. We pick out the players who stood out, who, as the kids say, showed out. In the previous week's game, Why should name a, the show as the kids said. As the kids say, as the kids said. I'm gonna hang around with a lot of kids. A long time ago, my own mainly. Uh, but we uh, give helmet stickers. They're not real. They're not uh, physical stickers. They're imaginary stickers. <laughs> I think it's important to point out, Mike. They're like they're like. Uh, it's more fun for the listeners to think that you've crafted and designed these stickers that then get mailed out honestly, to the team every week. Had it been a year ago. I would have created NFTs for these and gifted them, but since those things are nothing now, yeah, uh, evidently, you remember that? Bring my, NFTs. My back. crypto wallet is struggling, Jack. Caleb, don't you remember? Like a few, like six months ago, we were. You had a story about how there were Trey Palmer NFTs now, like a, an NFT marketplace. Yes. Is, anybody, is anybody doing that anymore? No. Caleb does seem like someone that would be into crypto. I'm not though. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. all right, yeah. Can't he, afford it. He made tens. Well, I can now, but <laughs> oh, you can with the tens of thousands of dollars you made on GameStop. Uh, all right, moon. all right. Uh, let's do our helmet stickers. Caleb, go first. Uh, my first one to go defense. Garrett Nelson, but eleven tackles, two and a half or one and a half sacks, a, a couple other, or had another tackle for loss. Just when when you needed someone to fly around and make plays, that was Garrett Nelson last Saturday, last Friday. Garrett Nelson, number one. I am going to give a helmet sticker to the unsung hero 
of Friday's game, the man who made it possible for Nebraska to win by one point, and that man is Blaze Gunnerson. His tackle That's true. on the block punt That's saved a, a touchdown, mm-hmm. saved Rutgers from putting up too many points that Nebraska could not come all the way back from 13 yes. down at halftime. That tackle combined with Nebraska's quick three and out forced Rutgers to kick a field goal, which they made. They would make another field goal. Keeping the game within two touchdowns, Blaze Gunnerson, this is our salute to you. I appreciate that creativity because I had a hard time being creative this week because there were so many obvious ones that I just was going to do the same thing. So, Mike, I appreciate that. And that was a t- he had a he had a give, I couldn't believe the guy didn't score I, on I that. I was 100% convinced it was going to be a touchdown and yeah. then Gun- he like Gunnarsson wrestled him to the ground and I thought that could be important. Yeah. And then the defense and then I forgot about it for roughly most of the rest of the game. <laughs> and then it was like rule. Yeah. It was they were showing the highlights of it and they show the Block pun again. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Well, I'd like to be more unique and not just copy Caleb, but here's a couple of things. I mean, Garrett Nelson in that game uh, was very disruptive behind the line of scrimmage, which was huge. Uh, Sack and a half, couple tackles for loss, 11 total tackles. Uh, Number two, he only uh, has, this will just be me giving him one, is just his third helmet sticker of the year. He was the number one pick. Tying with A.J. Allen. That doesn't seem right, so I'm giving me another one. And then number three, he gets it for his David Lee Roth style celebrations. <laughs> David Lee Roth, Van Halen era David Lee Roth is what what Nelson reminds me of when he celebrates, and I love it. And so I am giving him his third helmet sticker of the year. He does pass up uh, Isaiah Garcia Castanetas with okay. that one, who's no longer on the team. My second one goes to Anthony Grant. Less than 100 yards total offense from the line of scrimmage, both receiving and rushing. But he took a man's soul on the sideline. <laughs> if for nothing else, the fact that he went and put that guy in the earth. That guy that guy thought he was just going to step out of bounds kindly, didn't he? He and, just thought he was going to. Well, he gonna, did. And he actually he went, did step out of bounds. I mean, later. Wait yeah. a minute. No, no, no. He did right before he, he hit him. Oh, really? Yeah. So I thought the same thing as you, and I went back and watched. And if you see, his left foot steps out. He steps back in bounds, steps towards the guy. I'm sure the guy <laughs> saw him step out because his body does a thing. Like when you slow up as you stop running, because he's slowing up. And he slows up right into the impact of Anthony Grant taking his soul. Like it's, it actually, in retrospect, the guy, because I was thinking he had just stopped playing, which is what happens in those yeah. situations. Well, he had, but Anthony Grant didn't realize that he had stepped out of bounds. Wow. Thankfully, the officials didn't yes. either, or <laughs> that true. whole thing could have went. Jeez, that would, have been bad. that would have been bad. Well, because it didn't right. have a flag, he gets a helmet. All sticker. right. Grant takes the lead in uh, helmet stickers overall with eight passes Casey Thompson. All right, I am going to give a helmet sticker to Travis Vokalek, hey. who scored a touchdown. Uh, very difficult task when you're a tight end at Nebraska. Uh, we've noticed this for years. They've become invisible in the red zone, but they weren't on Friday. Travis Vokalek scores. He had five other catches, I think, for 40-some yards, 43 yards or whatever. Six Pretty good catches, game. 46. I think almost all of his activity came in the second half on those late releases. Nice wrinkle by uh, Mark Whipple. Hopefully we did not talk about him earlier. Travis Vokalek is healthy. 
for uh, Saturday. He had that ankle injury right at the end of the game. Uh-huh. He is the best blocker on Nebraska's team. So yes, man, they, they, need they need like three of him so they can put one at guard, one at tackle, and one at tight end. Yes. Have they and they would have a strong side of the line if they did. What if they put him in Brewington at the tackles? And then, uh, you know, you could move I mean, forward. There was talk in. two years ago that Travis Vokalek should be beefed up into a tackle. Yeah. I mean, hey, and if he plays in the NFL, I would the, guess that that's more of the line of where he's going to be at. One of Scott Frost's shining successes at Nebraska turning Cam Jurgen from a tight end yep. to a center. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. Tight I... ends, a new offensive lineman. <laughs> oh, God. You think about it. Thomas Fedoni, you... we'll see you at guard. Why do you guys have 17 tight ends on the roster? Well, they're converting. By the way, the, sometimes uh, they lose the E. <laughs> yes. When I saw a tweet that somebody said that was Travis Vokalek's first career tight end, I was shocked. First career touchdown. I was, sh- yeah, at Nebraska. I was shocked. I would have never. I, for some reason, thought if you had asked me before the game how many touchdowns the Volklek have in his career, I'd have been like, I don't know, four or five. None. None before that one, which is, uh, which is crazy. Uh, I am going to, uh, I'm going to give one to, God. I'm, all right, I'm going to get this one out. Trey Palmer keeps bailing Nebraska out. I mean, just bailing Nebraska out. And the, the thing about him is not only does he have just this uncanny ability to, and, and, and Casey's making good throws. But man, he just beats those guys on yep. those deep routes, and he's not like a. Uh, Turns out being fast is uh, no, mean, he's really fast. He's really fast. Yeah. He's 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 really fast. But when the, when you don't put a safety over top him, nope. the corners can't cover him. Mm-hmm. At least that he's seen his so go far route this year. is fast. I mean, his go route is ridiculous. You got to be able to turn and, and run. And he's been able and and that catch for that touchdown wasn't an easy one either. He got down fast. He made he, he made a fast. great catch and. Uh, so I just I mean thank goodness for Trey Palmer he uh, I, I'm I'm giving him I mean he had pretty good numbers too even beyond uh, that ended up had four receptions for 64 yards uh, in the game and so yeah big game big game for Trey and hopefully he's still available to do that on Saturday. My last helmet sticker this week goes to Travis Volkolek. All the things that uh, that Mike said over there as well and yeah it was amazing to have that realization first career touchdown at Nebraska. All right, Mike, your final one. I uh, normally would give this to to Garrett Nelson because he had a really strong game, but he's already been represented. And there's someone else that I want to represent from the defense. Had a sack and also got his hand up for a key uh, pass deflection. O'Shawn Mathis has had one of his better games. He's on my fantasy team. If you are are looking for something to be positive about, Nebraska's defensive line has not played better than they have the last two weeks. And are going to be a very important part of this game against Purdue. No, Sean Mathis starting to play better each week. That's a good thing. All right, I, mine, I'm, mine's kind of in the same, um, the, the the same vein as that one. Somebody who uh, maybe had a little bit rough at the beginning of the year, uh, but I thought was important during this game. And uh, that is Mister Farmer from the safety position. Got that key interception. His best game, obviously, probably at his best game of the year. Miles Farmer did. Um, it's see, you know, he he had times at the beginning of this year that he looked he just looked looked like he was playing with less experience than he yep. had. Um and so ended up getting five tackles, had that pick with a decent return. So big game for him and a big part of the win. So Miles Farmer, you get your first helmet sticker. All right, seven forty front approaches a very slim chance for a stray sprinkle. For the Channel 8 Storm Alert team, I'm meteorologist Malcolm Byron. Five topics to get you going for game day. It's a special Friday edition of the Morning Five on the Friday Husker Tailgate. 
right, welcome in Morning Drive, brought to you by Silverage Insurance and Wealth Management, your Husker edition. We bring up the five things we think you're going to be talking about this Husker weekend. So let's get going right away with number five. Number five. Uh, we found out yesterday, still no black shirts and not looking like those will be coming back the rest of this year. Good, bad, otherwise... I, I, How do you guys feel about that care. decision from Mickey Joseph? I mean, I I honestly don't care that much, but I think it's it. I mean, I don't know what I'm more interested in just sort of the reason, the strategy, the uh, Mickey Joseph coming in and and doing that. Like, who is who is most behind that? Why did they do it? That, it? That's interesting to me. It sort of feels like a reset on the whole thing, where it's like they want to go back to where it's an earned thing and not just an assumed thing. I don't know. I mean, I. I am someone who doesn't spend a lot of time thinking or being worried about when they're released, how they're released, and who gets them. Right. Uh, but there are a lot of people that this is a very valuable tradition to them, and uh, I'll be curious how they feel about it. Yeah. As long as they keep the, the little skull and crossbones logo, that's all I... <laughs> I like that. I like that. All right. Number four. Well, Coach Mickey Joseph was asked about Whipple... Coach, offensive coordinator, uh, Mark Whipple, on Tuesday about his health. Joseph said, well, why don't you go ahead and ask Whipple about that, and he'll tell you that that he's fine, there's no issues. And Whipple said exactly that, just said he's getting older. Said, he's going to be fine going forward. Talked with Tom Chattel about it. Yeah, Chattel said, that, hey, there's rumors that you're not going to, you know, you're going to have to step down for health reasons. And he, according to Chattel, he laughed and he said, no, I'm okay. So, um, I mean, I'll take him at his word for it. Hopefully, you know, hope. Hopefully he is his doing okay with this, but boy, if you had if you had a situation and and hopefully you don't, but if you have a situation where he does have to move on and focus on that, incredible to you've got a now a defensive coordinator and an offensive coordinator and a head coach that you've replaced mid season. That has got. I would be surprised if that's ever happened before. It's in three different times. And your offensive coordinator works with the quarterbacks, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's almost like it's a price that we're paying for such a quiet off season where there wasn't much that happened, right. and now it's just all going to get crammed into a two month stretch. <laughs> where oh, by the way, they're hey, playing games. And I will say this about you know Whipple. I I among the many was was grumpy when he did not you know he went with that fourth down play and didn't have a running back in the backfield so but it's like you know it's it's uh I, I I I still think by and large I think he's done some good things with the offense this year. I think he's done good things with Casey Thompson, and I also think every time he talks to the media, it's priceless and it's fantastic. So yeah, I will I will take all that. Wishing him the best, whatever is he's going through his his business, but I hope very much he's able to stay through the season mm-hmm. and that doesn't become a big enough issue. Uh, not only obviously for the football end of it, but just that he doesn't have something that's serious or or problematic enough that that has to happen. Number three. Well, a spot that did need someone to step in as a replacement. Matt Davison out. Damon Benning in as color analyst for the Huskers Radio Network on football broadcast. He was introduced Tuesday night, and you will hear him on his first Husker broadcast this Saturday. I I, I just want to say this about um you know the position that that uh the, the the network finds themselves in and this this new company that's in. It's it, it's a it is going to be it would be an absolute disaster mess almost anywhere in the country when your color guy for a major college football team steps down in the middle of the season. Thank you to Damon being having the experience that he does and the ability that he does. Um, you are uh, you are put in a pretty good situation. There's just not a candidate 
out there for this kind of a job, I don't think, at, at any any other place with the combination of experience behind the mic, doing some uh, radio, TV for games in the past, being a player, being a coach, all of those things. They stepped into a great situation, so um, I'm excited to hear it, is, is I guess all I'll say. I don't know if you guys have anything else to say about that, but... I uh, I'm excited for Damon. It's a great opportunity. I've enjoyed his work when he's done the the high school football championship games with NET. He obviously has done stuff with BTM before. I have no doubt that he'll be incredibly prepared. And frankly, I, I think that uh, it's an opportunity, kind of like other changes this year, where it presents a fresh look for Nebraska football yep. that's maybe been overdue. Yeah. And we went from Frost Davison to uh, Joseph Benning here. <laughs> it's the second half of the season. It's uh, yeah, yeah. Now there, add that one. Has any team ever lost a defensive coordinator, head coach, offensive coordinator, and color commentator in the same year? <laughs> you find me one in the history of college football. Uh, Be again, impressive. Hopefully, not going to happen with that yeah, offensive coordinator. All right, moving on. Number two. Been watching a number of injuries, some game day decisions for guys that have been day to day for the week. Where are you guys at? Who do you expect to play and not play on Saturday? For those that we've been watching this week, including Luke Reimer. I have no idea. I just know what Mike said that he thinks maybe Reimer has a better chance. Yeah, so Reimer, I'm going to say yes. Vokalek, yes. Manning, no. Newsom, no. Um,. Anybody else that's particularly, those are the four that I had in my head. Um, someone that we've been watching all season, Thomas Fedoni, no. Yeah. They, they, the they're year. shutting him Gabe down. Gabe Irvin, yes. Oh, yeah, that's um, a big one. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably it. I don't know that there's anybody else. That's right. Not, not so much an injury, but what side of the ball is Tommy Hill going to play? <laughs> uh, wide receiver. I yeah. think he's done at defensive back. He's more likely you're just going to see him special teams only the rest of the year. That's its own conversation for yeah. a different time. But, uh <laughs> What a weird deal. Your starting corner is now just like your fifth string wide receiver and returning yeah. kick. Well, we yeah. we can talk about that with our number 1. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, why don't we why don't we do that cuz it kind of goes hand in hand. Number 1. I say a Garcia Castaneda hits the transfer portal this week and you have a new wide receiver kind of with Tommy Hill really switching away from corner. Mickey Joseph said he struggled there, so they're going to move him to the offensive side of the ball where he's pretty talented. So yeah, the, go he, ahead. He was a so the the story on Tommy Hill when Nebraska first started recruiting him, it was as a wide receiver down in Florida. That's kind of where most teams saw him and then he started working out as a defensive back at these camps and had a lot of success and the sort of Recruiting theory is anybody can play wide receiver right now. If you have the ability to play defensive back, it's better to start there and end up at wide receiver than the reverse. Hmm. So I think that's part of how he ended up at corner. I'm surprised by the move, even with the change with Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, in no short part because you're pretty thin at yeah, cornerback. The too, depth, especially if Newsom's where hurt. Brandon Moore is getting a ton of playing time, having just shown up like ten days before the start of the season. <laughs> by the way, what happened to Braxton Clark? Don't know. Would love to know. Have no idea. He's got. I mean, he's played. He, he's played, and he's had a career interception against these Purdue Boilermakers in his first ever start. Yeah, that's that's uh, an interesting one to me. All right, there you go. That's uh, your morning drive brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. All right, eight o'clock hour is coming. The draft save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install durable against the elements and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen. 
on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Epic Hotline 402-479-1414. Keeping you moving with Time Saver Traffic, I'm Chris Lofgren. Jack West to the 35-9. thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium upside down right now. Stroud back in the pocket, being rushed, gets hit as he throws down the field. It's going to be intercepted. Miles Farmer at the 15-20 up the sideline. Rocked out of bounds. Flag comes out. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics, on 1499.3 KLIN. Fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, it is time. Your last chance this week to get a Fantasy Huskers pick. Our uh, draft this week is how many total points are scored between the two teams. Your old Vegas over under. How many points do you think the two teams are going to score? If you want to get that 10th pick, you got to text us the keyword for... The 8 o'clock hour on right now, the 14th, and that is... Pete. P-E-T-E, as in Purdue Pete. That's correct. Purdue Pete. Where does Purdue Pete rank in the terrifying mascot <laughs> That's why I decided uh, to bring I, him up. No, I know normally we go, we go, we pull back, we pull those mascots out of like the 50s and the 40s that were I will terrifying, say, and Nebraska had some. But... Purdue Pete is less terrifying than the... Zombie Reagan era Herbie that we brought that to the we break broke the, the curse, curse with, with. yes, potentially did break the curse yes. with. Uh, people aren't talking about how maybe we just had like a delayed curse break. No, it was we put it out into the universe. That's that, this that, is what that needed to happen. I think what the thing about Purdue Pete is that he just looks so dead in the eyes. It's the eyes. <laughs> it's. It's like there's no, he's got wild but dead eyes is is what I would say. So there you go. Text in Pete, P-E-T-E to uh, Rick Sam Recognition. Text line 402-479-1400. We'll run over the uh, picks here uh, at the end of the show. So look for a text. You may be getting that pick. You can win 50 bucks to Alumni Hall and Valentino's. We say hi to Jeff Mall. He's going to hook us up with a menu of things to do this weekend in the capital city. Good morning, Jeff. How are we doing? Doing well, doing well. Hey, uh, just a quick reminder. I know I heard it in the news segment, but a great opportunity to celebrate the life of Tom Lorenz today at 2 o'clock over at at Pinnacle Bank Arena. And uh, I've not had a chance to talk a ton about this, but I just cannot overstate, understate, whatever it is about the value that Tom Lorenz brought to the entertainment scene, but all the lives of us that had a chance to 
to work with him and talk to him and, and such an instrumental figure in transitioning from Pershing Center to what we know today as Pinnacle Bank Arena. So thoughts and prayers for the entire family out there. The staff that worked with Tom from one building to the other, they're having a tough time out there right now. As, sure. um, excuse me, as, as are so many of us. So uh, just uh, please keep them in our prayers. And we'd love to see everybody over at the arena today at 2 o'clock. And I'll just, I'll, I'll just share, um, in, in I've, I've known Tom for, you know, since he was managing Pershing. Came on the show with me a lot. I would talk to him almost, you know, you, you and I ran into him a couple of times at, at the arena and, oh, yeah. and uh, talked to him. And in, in addition to what he did for the city, um, just with with the way that arena has has continued to operate well, continue to b- to bring in big acts, but even more important than all of that, he was just a genuinely um, kind, nice, fun person. Uh, always was generous with his time, and um, just a, he was a great guy. He w- lost way too soon, um, way too soon, and and I was so sad and surprised to hear it when it happened. I just talked to him in a couple of months ago at that Elton John concert. I had a long conversation with him, so. Uh, very sad to uh, to see that. Uh, all right, Jeff, tell us uh, a little bit about things that are going on here this weekend in the Capital City. The Jazz Orchestra and Jazz Singers, uh, Kimball Recital Hall tonight at 7.30. Good opportunity to hear kind of a melding of both of those groups. Pine Creek Farms Fall Family Harvest Festival at Pine Creek Farms, located at 11505 North 14th Street in beautiful Raymond, Nebraska, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. tomorrow. Just a great fall festival outside. Uh, You'll get a chance to meet Shades the Clown from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. as well. Don't know the guy, but I hear he's pretty fun. Um, (laughs) The fall fall made here market will happen from 2 to 6 o'clock on Saturday. This is another opportunity to enjoy some great local makers making cool things from prints to paintings, all the way down to baked goods and much, much more. And wrapping things up, Camp Creek Freshers present the Eek at the Creek. Camp Creek Threshers Grounds located in Waverly, 3 to 5 on Saturday, and the Rise and Shine Boutique Fall Food Truck Battle, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Sunday out there at 5250 Cornhusker Highway. Lots of great things going on in the capital city. Oh, food truck battle. Is that like a a demo derby and buffet combination (laughs) type thing? I'd be interested in that. Right. It's kind of like when you break the pinata, like when that truck hits, there's food everywhere. Just raining burritos down on the crowd. I'd be very interested yeah. in that. I, I'm not sure that that's what's happening, Jack, but I like where we kind of went with it. Go out there and check it out. Uh, all right, Jeff. Uh, by the way, remind uh, remind everybody to go to Lincoln.org, and uh, it's always a great place to kind of organize, look for things to do. If you have got somebody coming into town looking for, for something to do on a weekend. Good to talk to you, Jeff. We will, uh, we'll see you next week, all right? All right. Take care, guys. There you go, Jeff Mall, Lincoln Convention and Visitors Bureau. And with that, we turn our attention to the chief meteorologist for Channel 8 Eyewitness News, also the Internet's favorite meteorologist. He is Rusty Dawkins. He is the architect of the DWAFT, the Dawkins Weather and Football Theorem Index. And he has not been able to put it to a whole lot of exciting mm-hmm. use this year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, 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 it looks pretty nice again this weekend, doesn't it? Yeah, and, I'm surprised you didn't call me and say, "Yeah, just don't come in today." Not, it's that nice of a nice of. I a will class. say this: Did you? I don't even know if you you know uh, they, they did get a little rain in Piscataway at the end of that they game did. last week. Yeah, I, I had a, just a small mention of of. I didn't even think there was going to be a, a chance. I mean, every model I looked at. 
close to the game had it just clear. I mean, there was just nothing but previous model runs, and that's why you got to keep watching them over and over again because each one is different. Had a couple of showers rolling through, and sure enough, there they were. They did. All right, so West Lafayette, Indiana. Um, we we uh, go to this week does Nebraska, and I'm sure an area of the country where it could be it could be pretty nasty this time of year. I would yeah. think Indiana. It seems like they get a lot of crappy weather there. <laughs> I don't know what that's based on. <laughs> well, it is. I looked it up because I've never been to that part of Indiana. I've been through Indiana, but I've never been to West Lafayette. It's between Chicago and, and Indianapolis. Definitely one of those areas that's kind of like us, where it could see snow and it can see severe weather this time of year. Uh, just yesterday, there's there was snow in Minnesota. There was snow in Wisconsin, which is just north. Uh, so, you know, that's the kind of air mass that is in place. Uh, no precipitation is expected for the game. There's some earlier in the morning, very early in the morning but overall it's looking like a pretty quiet cool calm collected kind of forecast oh, but basically perfect football weather once again yeah so for, anything for, else for the, for the most part well i guess we can we can we can just go over it but uh it it, it is a night game but it, i suppose that will make it particularly good for those who are going out there and tailgating late afternoon when the sun's still out then yeah it, it's looking like a, a really it, it's just a jeans and a hoodie kind of day. Uh, we're going to see temperatures that are likely in the 50s all day. Uh, a little bit of cloud cover, maybe some peaks of sunshine on and off throughout the day. Uh, and I'm sure the leaves are changing. I think they have trees out there. I'm not sure. I, <laughs> I assume Indiana has trees. <laughs> I, I think they do. I've not confirmed that. No, uh, but if they if they do have those trees, and I'm sure they're starting to change colors, and I'm, it's a, a beautiful area. So it should be really, really a nice whole weekend to be out there. All right. Let's go to the draft then. Okay. Uh, <laughs> run game? One. I, there, I mean, it, the lower the number, the better off the conditions. And uh, we, I don't think we've seen a five yet. It's just we haven't had that yeah. opportunity. Maybe some snowstorms coming later on in the season. But for uh, this weekend, it's going to be very low numbers all the way through. The run game shouldn't have any issues whatsoever. We're looking at a one. Uh, temperatures on the cool side, sun won't be an issue. Wind won't be an issue. Flooding just really good. Yeah, Except yeah. for per- produce crappy turf which well, is always a problem maybe but I should put that that's five. that's another that's another issue run related to the weather oh, okay pass game uh looks like you've got a one two so maybe wind not even really gonna be a no. huge impact either uh, it looks like it's it'll be the wind that we're dealing with now is out there as well today but this system's going to move off to uh, the east and to the north enough that by saturday night and and that's another thing if you notice the wind drops off as mm-hmm. soon as the sun goes down yeah uh, that's going to happen there too, uh, but I think the wind won't even be an issue during the okay. day on Saturday. Same thing goes for the kicking game. Then basically exactly the same theory. Same there. thing, unless unless the stadium lights gets in your eyes when you're trying to catch a a punt or a kickoff right. return. That but would be again, the only issue. Again, not weather related. No, no. Uh, player performance. I mean, it's basically perfect. Then I would think not. You know, you're not even going to border on being too warm at any point. If I recall from previous times being on here, this is about the perfect weather where it's around 50 degrees. I think that's what football players tend to think. For. Yeah. 40, 50. Yeah. yeah, and if that's the case, then this is definitely going to be one of the better better situations. Yeah. You, you, so that's ones across the board. We do get to fan enthusiasm. Looks like you've got a two here for fan enthusiasm. The only reason is because if you're just sitting there, it's going to get a little chilly. Okay. By the end of the game, temperatures will drop into the 40s. Uh, and if you're not moving around, if you're just kind of sitting there the whole game, by the end of the game, it could you could have a chill in the air. So that's a whole two. And that's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I went out, out on a limb there and said, I can't do the best game ever for you, this. You put it together, we get a composite draft index yeah. of six, which is yeah. our lowest ever. This, Yeah, the only thing, I think the only way we could be lower is if we were playing in a dome somewhere. <laughs> and this, uh, this... Hey, 
If they make the Big Ten championship in Indianapolis, we'll bring you back for the to break the record. It'll be a 5 out of 25. <laughs> but today is a 6 out of 20, 25. Pretty good night for football. Uh, Rusty's tweet says, quite possibly the best weather conditions for any football game ever. <laughs> 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 the, the, it is the best football conditions ever, according to Rusty. Top, Amazing. Top 10, top Great 10. night for an upset, then. Yeah. Conditions but, are very right for an upset. Uh, real, how do you balance the uh, possibly getting colder with being able to buy alcohol? <laughs> Can, what, what? what What do you mean? How do you balance it with that? <laughs> well, I might be getting colder, but I got a beer in my hand. So. Oh, okay. So to, to figure out if that helps the fan uh, yeah, enjoyment that fan number. Experience. You mean you can buy it bit. in the stadium. Yeah, Sorry, I'm really flushing out what oh, you're saying. Okay, yeah. yeah, I did not know that. I will change that to a one. <laughs> hey, it's a perfect night. <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh, and then back here in Lincoln, I mean, the, the, the I assume the wind's going to continue here. Same sort of thing kind of today. Yeah. Yeah, we the the wind was has been an issue for the last couple of days. So so much that you know, if any fire gets started, those get out of hand very very quickly. Uh, so I know every fire department and volunteer fire fire department across the state is is you know on high high alert uh, today. The good news is uh, it's it's a little less today than it was yesterday. Still windy. We're still talking thirty thirty five maybe forty miles per hour. Uh, but yesterday we were seeing forty five to fifty. Uh, Saturday it calms down a little bit. I good. think ten to twenty five, and then by Sunday it should just be like your normal Whew. five to fifteen. Those days look delicious then if it's not windy, yeah. 73 and 65. Yeah, yeah, it's it's looking like a pretty nice weekend. Again, a little breezy tomorrow, but I think Sunday might be uh, one of those really nice days where, where we can get outside. What is the deal with this? At least in my, my, I got a 47 for a high on Tuesday, and then I got an 80 for a high next Sunday, the 23rd. What, <laughs> what are we doing, Rusty? October in Nebraska is one of those months that I get gray hair from because it is, you never know. It's just. You can go, like you said, 47 on Tuesday, 82 on, what is that, next Saturday? Next, next Sunday, next yeah. Sunday. And you could have snow on one side of the state, severe weather on the other side Crazy. of the state. Uh, I mean, it's hey. leaves falling everywhere. It's pandelirium. <laughs> pandelirium. <laughs> Pandemonium. Pandelirium. That's a new Pandelirium. word. Yeah. That's amazing. Hey, I I'll like tell it. you what. The good thing is, if it does hit 53 and 47 Monday and Tuesday, those lows are going to be in the mid-20s. Mm-hmm. And any of the allergens that survived that first freeze are going to die a yeah. slow, cold death. And I'm going to watch it. Yeah. My, uh, it's, I don't know if you can visually see that, but I'm going to try. It, and I hope you can, because uh, me and my son suffer from allergies. And in, this time of year is either really, really bad, or if it gets really cold, it's Let's really go. good. So That's we're excited to perfect. Get, of- get really cold, then bounce back after that. Because that's then it's exactly awesome. what you yeah. need. And the allergens are dead, and it's nice outside. Yep. Rusty, thank you for the draft. Uh, I appreciate it, and uh, we will. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks. We got an off week next oh, yeah. week, so we we'll see you in two weeks when we get back to Lincoln. Maybe we'll have something then. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not. Maybe we'll get double digits. <laughs> One can dream. <laughs> Twos <laughs> across the board. Uh, Whoa. All right. There you go. It's Rusty Dawkins from uh, Channel 8 Eyewitness News. You can watch him there at 5, 6, and 10. Follow him online for all kinds of uh, good weather information. All right. It's 820. We'll take a break. It's uh, Friday Husker Tailgate. We're going to get to know the foe. We call opposition disposition Purdue. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.
If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. All foods to check these out. You can get your sleep number there. Mine's 40. My wife's 25. Or you can check it all out at sleepnumber.com. But don't forget to tell them Jack sent you. Do you know your foe? Well, we'll introduce you. But we can't guarantee you'll get along. It's the Friday Husker Tailgates Opposition Disposition on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIF. All right, opposition disposition, Purdue, the Boilermakers. Purdue. Uh, well, you know, it, it's not that long ago, guys. I remember, I, I remember some social media debates that I got in where Purdue played Nebraska in the Mike Riley era and things weren't going good in Mike Riley's final year, but... Nebraska did enough and found Stanley Morgan for a touchdown to beat Purdue, and I did what I normally do, and I, I, I celebrate the moments of victory, and there were so many people who said, Jack, but this is Purdue, but this is Purdue, and now here we are six years later, five years later, five years later, and nobody's saying that anymore. It's interesting. I don't know if Nebraska's changed or if Purdue's changed, but nobody is saying that anymore, that for some reason the reputation of Purdue precludes this being a quality or a difficult win for Nebraska. You remember what I'm talking about, Mike? You yeah, a that? little bit. I remember that game. Um, I was there. I was on the sidelines, watched as Stanley Morgan caught that touchdown. Um, I just remember thinking, like, oh, they still have a chance to make a bowl game because sure. they had... I think they had gotten to four and four at that point. That was their last win of the season, and they had Northwestern coming in the next week, which should have been a win, and then Minnesota, and that should have been a win, and then uh, I think Iowa and someone else was in there as well. But oh, Penn State, which yes, we watched together, and that was when I got to experience your holding calls (laughs) and how you were able to do them when you weren't even watching the TV. That's right. Uh, So. Yeah, I I remember like this is a different version of Purdue than when Nebraska first started playing them in the Big Ten. This series has actually been really kind of fascinating when Nebraska has been out there. Twenty thirteen, you had uh, Tommy Armstrong really struggled against Daryl Hazel's zone, but Nebraska still won pretty handily Mm -hmm. because Purdue was pretty bad. Twenty fifteen, David Blau absolutely torched Nebraska, and Riker Fife was the starting quarterback. That was the DPE injury, right? Yeah, they they combined for like 90-some points in that game. 2017, Tanner Lee leads the comeback against Purdue. 2019, um, 2019 is, for me, the sort of like, I don't know that Scott Frost is the right guy for this job. Nebraska could have put Purdue away by like 30 points in the first quarter. They had a pick six or a fumble recovery. Well, yeah, because... Darren, uh, one of the Daniels brothers, Darian Daniels basically had the Peisman moment where he picked off a a shovel pitch and then Nebraska couldn't score from the two yard line. Uh, Dedrick Mills not allowed to get a carry for some reason in that stretch. But uh, yeah, and then they played out there in 2020 
because they flipped the schedule with the yeah. the conference only year. <laughs> a great game. Nebraska got a win. They won 37-27, I believe. Yeah. And then now they're back up there for another time. So these games have been really weird when they've been out in West Lafayette. Yeah, that 2020, that's a win in the Scott Frost era that I kind of forget about. Yeah. That, that at Purdue, yeah, arguably that one of the their, team's best performances. That was their second win of that season. Yeah, they beat Penn State, Purdue, and Rutgers. Crazy. Um, all right. So Purdue this year. Here's the schedule so far. You got to go way back to September 1st. Remember, they played Penn State. They put up 31 points on Penn State, but lost 35 31. And I remember laying in bed watching that game half asleep, and Purdue had the ball with the lead at the end. Uh, you can always second guess this. Yeah, I came in and here you were like cackling and excited because someone else had lost in the Big Ten. In the Big West. Ten West, yeah. um, but it, they they passed the ball and they they arguably could have run it, but they don't have didn't have a great running game or didn't have a lot of confidence in it at that time. Penn State got the ball back, went down the field, got the win thirty five thirty one, which looks like an even better loss now than it did at the time because Penn State is a top ten team in the nation. Beat Indiana State fifty six to zero. Went to Syracuse. I don't know if any of you guys. Watch that Syracuse game between Purdue and Syracuse on September 17th, but it was a crazy game. Uh, the Carrier Dome, it has a new name now, but the Carrier Dome always kind of lends itself to that, but just bombs away. It felt like every play in the fourth quarter of that game was just bombs away into single man-to-man coverage, and it was really fun to watch. Syracuse did get the win on that. I think Purdue had a tough penalty down the stretch that hurt him on that one. Here's one, though. Florida Atlantic on the 24th. I kind of forgot about this. Purdue beat Florida Atlantic by two. Yeah. Uh, in, in I don't the, think Aiden O'Connell played. In is that, that game. what? Okay, that I explains think a lot he more. did not play. Then a really quality win going to Minnesota, one twenty to ten, and a pretty quality win too the week after against Maryland, thirty one twenty nine. That they possibly could have lost, except Maryland missed an extra point and then had to go for two at the end, and Purdue got a stop there, and so that's a clutch win. So they find themselves two and one in the conference, tied with Nebraska and Illinois. For the Big Ten West, Mike, uh, the 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 kind of the thought about the Purdue offense for a lot of years has been: look, they're they're a unique Big Ten offense in that they're primarily going to go through the air against you. Um, and 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 then the other thought traditionally about them is they just they haven't had a real some years just almost no running attack right. whatsoever. It feels like they're like I watched the end of that Minnesota game and they had some some big run for that Maccabee kid mm-hmm. there at the end. But how do you kind of assess how much they fit into that sort of stereotype of of what the Purdue offense is this year? It's still kind of there. I mean, they still want to move the ball through the air more than anything. I mean, Aiden O'Connell and Charlie Jones and Payne Durham are the three best players. It's quarterback, wide receiver, and a tight end. And they're, that's where they're going to aggressively try to attack you. Um, where Purdue has most changed its stripes in the last three or four years, they're much better defensively. They're one of the best run-stopping teams in the conference. Uh, they have gotten better in terms of their pass rush. Now, they are 13 out of 14 in pass defense in the conference this year. So if there is one thing that uh, potentially could come out of out of Saturday, it could be the return of Bomb the Ball. Yes. Uh, with starring, you know, Casey Thompson and Trey Palmer. If he can get enough time to get that ball that He far. needs time, and then Purdue might shade a lot of coverage over top of Trey Palmer. But I would have, do that. Teams have tried to do it and haven't necessarily 
stuck with it all game. I, I don't. So. I'm, I'm still shocked at how many times they'll throw it deep. They, and either they a safety, either a safety can't get over, or they just have man to man with a corner, including the time Casey didn't throw it against Indiana and he got benched because of it. Yeah, he had single man coverage and just wide open down the field. So yep. I am surprised. Should, should that just be an automatic? You walk up to the line and go, "That's a one on one." The ball's going there. There's probably a, a hot read or a check to that. Like if if they sense that it's individual coverage and you make a motion and you try to you know hot route it, if you will. But I mean, uh, we had very we had a lot less success when I was in high school playing football. I was nowhere near half the quarterback Casey Thompson is. My wide receiver was nowhere near as good as Trey Palmer. But if he had one on one, we walked up to the line and looked and said, "I'm throwing it up, and you're going after it." Uh, How did it work? Um, probably better than fifty percent of the time. Okay, well that's pretty good. But we still only won like one game. All right, well, that's so that's bad. that's why you throw it up to your one guy. Yeah. Can I ask a question? <laughs> I, look, I agree. I have no argument there. How does Charlie Jones go from catching twenty one passes in twenty twenty one twenty two? Well, you're going to answer your own question by saying the names of the teams. Iowa not playing the there year before, is the answer. not play not getting a reception the year before to six games, fifty receptions, six hundred yards, seven receiving touchdowns. Did what's happening? Here? Well, one, exactly. Um, and I understand. Charlie Jones went from an offense that has the four, or like has the forward pass and doesn't know how to use it to Jeff Brom, who has had some pretty good wide receivers and knows how to highlight them. So there's that. I think that's a big part of it. To Aiden O'Connell, walk on to Aiden O'Connell, whose rise to glory includes that 2019 game in which he led the game-winning drive that Purdue ended up scoring on, I think, on a Payne-Durham end-around. It was some, where, yeah, it was some uh, trick play. Where JoJo Doman didn't stay home, and that was much was to the ire of... Uh, Jeez. Yeah. So... Aiden O'Connell, pretty good quarterback, and just kind of a combination of a passing offense that knows how to highlight a wide receiver that's pretty talented. The thing is, there was a lot of excitement about Charlie Jones before the year even started. Then he ripped off three monster games in a row. He has not gone over 100 yards since then. He's actually been somewhat contained, I think, 50-some yards and then 15 yards the last and, two weeks. And 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 uh, the coach said that he, he has been a little bit banged yeah. up, so... We don't know for sure right. how much of that comes into this week, and we probably won't learn about that. If you're either. in Nebraska, you are hopeful that he is not at 100% because he is the most dangerous guy, I think, on the field for Purdue. And then, you know, how you choose to cover Durham will be, uh, you know, interesting. Yeah. Like, do you just put. That's why you Luke need Reimer. Reimer. Do you you need Reimer. Isaac Gifford. I mean, so this is where JoJo Doman would have been massively valuable. Mm-hmm. Because you just match him up against Durham the entire game. And and historically, Nebraska having linebackers that can keep up with some of these tight ends in the Big Hard. Ten. Yeah. Over this is over the whole this isn't sure. just a Mickey Scott Frost thing. That's been a consistent linebackers problem and in the coverage Big Ten. has been a problem yes. since roughly twenty twelve. Yes. Absolutely. You know, when UCLA just threw the swing pass to Jonathan Franklin twenty times and right. Poor Alonzo Whaley was just never in position. Exactly. I see pictures. I just yeah. old names come up of linebackers that yep. are just running their brains David out. David Santos. Uh, yes. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, no, I mean we can play the game if you want. No, just you'll run. beat me. You'll beat me at, with this era. Um, so, so there you go. Uh, 
Let's talk. Uh, let's talk a little bit more then about just in, in terms of some of the stats. By the way, their rushing offense, one hundred nineteen point two yards a game, so that puts them a hundred third in the yeah. nation. But they've had their moments too. This they run to keep it honest. They don't, you know. So it's it's one of those things that's always weird. They can be very effective running the ball the way that they do with as little yards as they get. It's just that. When you know when you get them in a situation that you have to turn them back, you have to turn them back because that's your way off the field. Mm-hmm. And they're very good at, at converting in those. Um, the only other thing that jumps out to me in the in the stats where they've had some issues is they've been penalized a lot this year, 111th in the nation in terms of uh, penalty yards per game, few, getting the, the the fewest penalty yards per game, meaning they're in the top 20 mm-hmm. of most penalized. Um, out out of everybody right now, uh, Aiden O'Connell's number this year. Just real quick, um, he's been here. He's uh, in terms of the passing numbers that he had. I was just wondering, you know, what's the likelihood that you get some turnovers from from this quarterback? He uh, has uh, completions right now. Uh, hundred. Uh, he's hundred forty three out of two fifteen. So a good uh, percentage there. Four touchdowns, or excuse me, four interceptions, ten touchdowns yep. is where he's at. So he's not throwing a lot of picks. No, but, I mean, he, he puts it up for, uh, you know, Nebraska's defensive backs. So they make plays like they have the last week or so. Yeah. That's it's, that's going to that's gonna be a big part of this game. The Nebraska's pass rush getting after Aiden O'Connell, forcing him to make throws earlier than he wants, and Nebraska's defensive backs taking advantage. Like last year, he was 28 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. It's yeah. just crazy because every other Big Ten West quarterback is always like eight, 14, tu- eight yeah. touchdowns and eight interceptions, or 12 touchdowns and 12. And every you know how many one. years it would take Brian Ferentz to have a team with 28 it's, touchdowns? What, whether you're talking about Mertz or Morgan or yeah. whoever Iowa is playing at quarterback, they're all... There's nobody even near the prolific numbers that O'Connell has. And, of course, they pass it more. But this is just a different animal from an offensive perspective than you're going to see the rest of the – I mean – I mean, maybe Michigan, but other than that, really the rest of the schedule. Yeah, no, this is this is really the the only pass first team left on the schedule. Yeah. I mean, everyone else, even Michigan, they're yeah, going to try to establish mm-hmm. establish a run, and this is probably the best quarterback on your schedule too. So, uh, it's going to be important for that defensive line to be active, involve active hands, and uh, see where it goes. Caleb, given what Purdue is, what's kind of the formula to to pull off the upset here? What does Nebraska need to get? What do they need to do? How do they need to play? Uh, for you to say, okay, that's a formula where this could be something that'll be a, a matchup that they could win. Well, I think if you can establish your run game, you you can shorten the game a little bit. And I think that's just where Nebraska is, that you don't want to give other teams too many opportunities. Obviously, the defense has been better under Bill Bush, especially coming out of those halftime adjustments. Um, but you have to be in the game at halftime. That, that That's really where it is. You have to just stay in the game at halftime yes. and make those adjustments yes. going into the second half. I would like to see... By the time you get to halftime, Grant's got a dozen runs. If he's got a dozen runs, hopefully that's sucking up a, a little bit of that secondary, and it does open things up for Trey Palmer over the top. So I think on the offensive side, you have to do that. And obviously, like Mike said, defensively, you got to get after that quarterback. And it, cause can't it, have time because if because if he has time and Casey doesn't. That's not a good formula overall. It comes down to really on both sides of the ball, which quarterback is going to have is going to be on their feet more over the course of the game. Got to be single digits at worst by halftime. Think you agree with that? Single digit. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd like it to be a one score game at mm-hmm. halftime. Yeah, yeah, single digits there. But Sign me up. Halftime, Otherwise, per- Purdue's play calling will be better than Rutgers to where if they are up thirteen at halftime, the second half's going to go quick.
Do you think there's any chance Purdue plays 13 quarterbacks in this game? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, there's there's not. That was something I was I mean, hoping for. I'm going to remove your hope. That, that was one. something I was hoping for. No. All right, not Johnny me. Langan is not coming in. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Purdue and the Boilermakers. Why are they called the Boilermakers? Has anybody wondered that? Probably not, but I'm going to tell you. Anyway, the year was 1891, and a a little-known school that prided itself on educating men and women for productive, utilitarian careers was just experiencing success in football for the first time. But Purdue wasn't a powerhouse in Indiana at that time. No. No, your powerhouses, DePaul, Butler, Wabash University College, whatever it was called, Wabash College, they were the powers of Indiana. And so... Purdue was a little late after those teams and getting into the football sport after they were able to do that. They fielded their first team in 1887, and they played one game. They played Butler. They played the Bulldogs from the Big East, not the Big East at the time. They lost 48-6. to So by 1891, they got to get things better there. They hired two coaches from Princeton, and they bring in the Ivy Leaguers. And they, they say, hey, this is... This is going to be the change that we need. In the 1891 season opener, they traveled to Wabash College in Crawfordsville, Indiana. They came away with a 44-0 victory. Ooh. And at that time, you guys probably remember this from other times talking about, the newspapers were a little bit more, shall we say, partisan in terms of their teams. After the 44-0 win, one Crawfordsville newspaper lashed out at the, quote, Herculean wearers of the black and old gold. Beneath the headline, Slaughter of Innocents, <laughs> the, the paper told of the injustice visited upon the light though plucky Wabash squad. Another headline, the same story in the Daily Argus News. Wabash snowed under, uh, snowed completely under by the burly boilermakers from Purdue. And that is where the name Boilermaker started at that point. And so as many of these things did, was kind of a a newspaper headline that got this started. Um, Yes, the only... (laughs) The only it's uh, I'm going to start writing like this. The the players were characterized as coal heavers, boilermakers, and stevedores, according to a reporter for the Lafayette Sunday Times, because they were talking about how they opportunity and they stemmed from this nature of what Purdue was at the time. They were a land granting institution. They came around in 1869. It was the sons and daughters of the working class, not the sons and daughters of the highfalutin people who went to your butlers of the world and who went to the DePauz of the world. This sounds like we're going down a comrade path It was a blue-collar school, and they were proud of it, but the other schools picked on them for it. Now look at them. Now bring DePauz in and play them and see how it goes. Now I like the idea of the Purdue-Northwestern rivalry. Yeah, that's true. That 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 should be a you know what that should be a trophy game, <laughs> white collar versus blue collar yes. or something like that. Except Purdue nice. is no longer perceived to be now the blue collar. Now it's the university. engineering and yeah. te- teaching yeah. and 
research <laughs> and and those sorts of things. Uh, but over the years, P- uh, P- Purdue teams had also been called the Grangers, the Pumpkin Shuckers, the Rail Splitters, the Cornfield Sailors, the Blacksmiths, the Foundry Hands, and finally they landed on Boilermakers, and that one Almost stood. all of those names are great. Those are quality names they had. Pumpkin Shuckers? That's Cornhuskers, but with pumpkins. Right, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Hold on, they ought to do a. Wait, do they have wait. the? Could they do a Herbie version of Purdue Pete? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm just thinking an alternate pumpkin shucking where it just looks like candy corn. Yeah, if you're good at corn, <laughs> yes, if you're yeah. good at corn husking, you would also be good. I think doing shucking husking of. I thought any you were going to come up with a trophy of some sort of like shuck. That'd be good. Uh, yeah, th- that that'd be good too. Alums from Northwestern, well, we got a lot of astronauts, but we got the uh, maybe the GOAT astronaut at the top, Neil Armstrong, went there. Maybe uh, the GOAT. Like, who? Well, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, Buzz Aldrin. I need your Mount Rushmore of uh, uh, astronauts. Come on, we have our own astronaut. Let's show Neil a little Neil Armstrong, respect. Buzz Aldrin, uh, Clayton Anderson, and then Kevin Bacon in that uh, movie. Oh, okay. In the, I was thinking in Matt, the Houston, we have Apollo 13. I was thinking Matt Damon on any time he's lost at Mars. <laughs> and all the guys who went up on Armageddon and blew up that that. I Even know they Steve weren't Buscemi? astronauts, yeah, including all of them. Especially Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the godfather of popcorn, Orville Redenbacher, Ooh. went to Purdue. <laughs> Ooh. The godfather of, well, godfathers, Herman Cain, went to Purdue as well. <laughs> I really didn't set that up. <laughs> a guy who had a concert in Lincoln that I forgot about and didn't go to, and I think I had tickets to, and I'm just realizing this now, Jim Gaffigan. Is that show over? Oh, wait. Did that, that happen? I think it happened, finally. I, think I had tickets to that. Dang it. Uh, John Wooden, he's, he was a good coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow, way to, way to understate that one. <laughs> Maybe the goat Neil Armstrong and good coach John Wooden. The, the godfather of this, John, godfather. Yeah, a John pretty Wooden, good coach. solid coach. <laughs> solid solid basketball coach. Yeah. Uh, Chesley Sullenberger, he is the uh, the, uh, the pilot that Sully. landed yeah. the, the plane in the Hudson and yeah. then a movie made about him. And then for those of you who are like me and like the Food Network, Ted Allen, who hosts Chopped, also was on Straight Eye, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Straight Eye for the Queer Guy would be a different show. Uh, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, Ted, Ted Allen was on on that, I believe. Uh, but he is the host of Chopped. <laughs> I'm now imagining the alternate world. I, I would host. A lot more Wranglers. I would host lot, the alternate show. A lot more Wranglers. <laughs> I don't know how hey, that would go. This closet is way too organized. Let's get into this thing. <laughs> All right. Uh, you don't have a stain on any of these clothes. Epic reading of the Husker Opponents Fight Song with Jack Mitchell. Our selection today is entitled Hail Purdue. To your call, once more we rally. Alma mater, hear our praise. Where the Wabash spreads its valley, filled with joy, our voices raise. From the skies in swelling echoes come the cheers that tell the tale of your victories and your heroes. Hail Purdue, we sing all hail. Our friendship, may she never lack, ever grateful, ever true. Thus we raise our song anew of the days we've spent with you. All hair our own Purdue. When in after years we're turning, alma mater back to you. May our hearts be love, with love be yearning, 
for the scenes of old Purdue. Back among your pathways winding, let us seek what lies before. Fondest hopes and aims there finding while we sing of days of yore. All hair, all hail, our own Purdue. And scene. There you go. Good lyrics for the uh, yeah, that for would, the engineers and the boilermakers there. Just, I would say, of what we have done so far, that's probably been the best. It's either that or Oklahoma, obviously. I, no. <laughs> nope. From Feel, a, just from a straight lyrical perspective. Feels like the uh, Purdue Barber School went in and changed it to all hair. All hair. I couldn't believe I messed up the last dramatic word. They should get somebody new to do this. All right, we'll take a break. <laughs> I'm getting crushed in the picks, but I'm going to start a comeback today. I'm kind of like living out Nebraska's season with the picks, right? Start out. Except there was hope for Nebraska and remained hope. I don't know if there was. So you're saying going, we're going to change you out? You could have said the interim Jack Mitchell the rest who, of the year. You know what I am? I'm Nebraska right before the Indiana game right now. That's mm. what I am. Okay. Yeah. They could go winless this year. They could go winless. Whoa, a slim chance for a stray sprinkle, but most, if not all, of the precipitation won't be successful in reaching the ground. For the Chain Lake Storm Alert team, I'm meteorologist Malcolm Byer. Bragging rights mean everything to these guys. So, let the trash talk begin. It's time to call your shot in the Friday Husker Tailgate Pickskin Picks of the Week. Brought to you by Exchange Bank on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, we have a, a new leader in the Exchange Bank. Pick him, uh, Mike Schaefer, with a big week last night. Closest to the last week, I should say. Closest to the Nebraska score. Also got uh, Purdue, TCU, UCLA, Illinois. Do you go four for four, four in the head-to-head games? Four. Only your upset failed. Yeah. What was your upset last uh, week? I don't remember. I don't either. It was Washington State, I think. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Caleb, you didn't have nearly as good. You did get a cover from Texas A&M, though. Yeah, I did. You called almost, that almost an outright. Almost oh. an outright there. That would have been impressive. Garbage last play they ran. Uh, and I got three out of four this week. I got Purdue, TCU, and UCLA. So I'm kind of coming back. I'm down by nine points. Uh, to the front. So, uh, Mike goes first now. In the By picks. the way, uh, right before that, Fantasy Huskers, we asked how many total points are going to be scored this Saturday in Nebraska-Purdue. Julie said 66, Catherine 65, Jeff 63, Woods Park Dennis 61, uh, Julie and Woods Park Dennis were the new ones today. Jeremy 55, Craig 52, Harry the Antenna Guy 47, Ben 45, Steve 31, Scott 30. 30? What are you thinking, Scott? Uh, strategic? All right, you get, took the bottom. You mean if they end the game in the second quarter? The weather's so good that they're not able to move the ball. <laughs> they're just enjoying it so much. All right, we got to do the head-to-head games. We're going to the Big 12 first. I don't know why I put this in. Maybe I shouldn't have. We'll see if anybody takes the bait. Kansas at Oklahoma. Mike, who you got? I don't know what the bait is. I'm taking Oklahoma. I think that uh, they have more talent on their team, and they need this game a lot more than Kansas. Does. I don't know why. I'm just going with Rock Chalk. Let's just see what happens. I, I, they're like nine-point underdogs. I know. I'm taking Kansas, too, though. Well, I don't, I don't congratulations know. on Yay! your point, Mike. Jeez, which is, which is just a formula to give Mike the championship. <laughs> All right, Minnesota at Illinois. This one should be a good one. This is a uh, potentially really good game. I, I'm i going to go with Minnesota because I think they're the better team, though it wouldn't surprise me if I'm completely wrong on this. I don't think Illinois has given up a touchdown in Champaign this year. Give me the Illini. All right. I'm going with uh, Row the Boat. I got Minnesota in that one. All right. So we're splitting Hey, Jack. thanks to the point. We're like, uh, <laughs> you know, 
Each kind of hosting a parent at Thanksgiving kind of thing. <laughs> Penn State at Michigan. Big noon kickoff. 11 a.m. at Ann Arbor. Could Penn State pull the upset here, Mike? I'm saying yes. Give me Penn State. Penn State to 6-0 and with the win over Michigan. I'll take Harbaugh. It stops for the Nittany Lions. Wolverines win. I had Penn State, too. Oh. <laughs> Welcome like, to, all right. We're, see. we're waiting to hear Jack. Welcome to Jack Island. <laughs> <laughs> I'm planted by flag here. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State at TCU in the Big 12. Uh, this should be a good game. High scoring. Wow. Mike? I'm sticking with Mike Gundy. I, I like him in these situations. I like that Oklahoma State team. I have them winning. <laughs> I got TCU. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, Mike, I brought tiki, tiki torches. <laughs> oh. Three times? Hey, Give me the One pumps. of us is going to have a really good week, I'm sure. All right, upset pick. I'm sure I can't pick the same upset pick as you, Mike. Who do you I'd got? I'd be surprised. I took Georgia Southern, who's getting 12 points against James Madison University. Ranked team? Ranked James Madison. Undefeated James Madison. Mike does not believe in the They're Nebraska victory. going to Georgia curse. Southern, and Georgia Southern will cover but will not win. Okay. <laughs> Give me Nebraska plus the 13 and a half. All right, going Nebraska. I like that one. I'm actually going Michigan State. It feels like they got to do something okay here at some point. Seven and a I half like point, seven and a half under point underdogs at Wisconsin. I'm not ready to crown Wisconsin yet. So there you go. All right, Nebraska Purdue score. What do you got, Mike? Another quiet day for Timmy Bleak Road. Four touchdowns for Nebraska. Nebraska wins 28-24 over Purdue. Four touchdowns for Nebraska, huh? Four! I also have four touchdowns for Nebraska. I have five for Purdue. 38-28, Boilermakers. Mm. I may also have four touchdowns for Nebraska, but they would have to put it with a safety, I think. I'm not sure exactly how that would work. (laughs) I just feel like I'm due for a groin kick game. I feel like this fan base has been allowed by the gods to enjoy the last two weeks too much. It's going to get interesting, I think. It's going to be high scoring. I've got Nebraska 30, Purdue 34. Okay. Three weeks in a row. Hey, you can't blame me. They've won every time I picked against them. Way to go, Mr. Optimism. Reverse jinx.